Hey, did you see on the screen? Hey, just said, hey, going, hey? We, we recorded, we just started recording as you said that. That's gone. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, use that. Something we'll have at the, uh, at the outtakes on, on the golf night, maybe. <laughs> oh, that's good. G'day, listeners, and welcome to episode three of the Golf Days Australia podcast. Nate, it's just you and I this week. What's happened to Matt? A bit lonely. It's just the two of us, mate. I'm sure we could probably keep keep each other company for uh, for the next hour, but I reckon Matt didn't want to turn up this week because Brad has towed him up big time in the ABC tipping comp. He what scored minus sixty four for his team minus combined. Minus sixty four, low low numbers. That could be a record. We're going to have to go back and check, but I uh, I think it'd be close to the lowest score, but uh, you know that we've had. Might have to go back to the archives to check that one out, but the scores were low this weekend. Uh, it was very entertaining to watch, um, especially when everyone starts talking about the distance game and you know, this course is tight and small greens brought it back into contention and low scores is brilliant to see when that uh, is the case. But uh, yeah, action-packed episode this week. We've now had two weeks of PGA being back and under our belt. Some more F-bombs. Uh, did Bryson's beefcakeness need more finesse at Harbour Town? The beefcake. Uh, we... <laughs> he didn't quite get it done this week, but we'll talk about him. Yeah. And we'll introduce a new segment, Controversy Corner, and we'll talk about iron covers and bifurcation, which is a big topic this week. Last week's post of the week from Bailey was the Pinjara Golf Course Pro Shop Life, courtesy of Matthew Heath. Uh, we'll have Matt on the line and chat with him a little later on. Um, and on top of that, guys, we're, we're now broadcasting to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Anchor, and more. Um, remember to hit that follow button and where it allows, give us a review and five stars. It really helps us to keep bringing you something awesome to listen to each week. But uh, let's get stuck into it. I'm, uh, I'm keen. So first up, first up, let's have a bit of an update on our golf weekend in Tokemwall. Yeah, mate. Um, again, so looking forward to it. Uh, if you haven't heard about our golf weekend in Tokemwall, um, happening the first weekend of August, uh, lots of lots of uh, interest in it so far. Uh, bookings, we've had bookings already. So, look, overall the package is uh, a two-night deal. That's what we're looking at, going down on the Friday night and uh, finishing on the Sunday. But uh, lots going on there. Uh, plenty of prizes and giveaways. There's going to be some really exciting announcements uh, to come this week. We're very, very close to locking in some some big uh, some big announcements there. So hopefully, stay tuned for those ones. Um, and also with that package, we're, we're talking 590 bucks for that for that weekend package, and and it includes so much. And it's all there in the Facebook group. It's all there on our page. Uh, so I don't need to go over it. But I just want to stress that. This weekend's all about fun for us. We're all about enjoying golf, okay? We don't take it too seriously. We'd all love to be a couple of strokes better, um, and it'd be good to pick up something. It'd be good to pick up something over the weekend from those that are there helping us and assisting us, and obviously Terry and Rodney Booth and and the pros that are going to be there with us. Um, But at the end of the day, it's about the banner, uh, a few quiet drinks hopefully over the weekend, and um, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, I'm really looking forward to meeting a few of the guys and just having a good weekend away, um, playing some golf, you know, the, the workshops that we're going to have and we probably haven't explained this well enough uh, yet, but this is going to be a small group event. We're looking at around 24 people maximum, okay? So we're looking at 24 people to, to jump in for that weekend. It's going to mean small groups. So when we're talking about the workshop, people might think that they're sitting back and there's 50 people there and they're just watching one guy hit a ball tell you how to hit it. It's not going to be like that. You're going to be in small groups, depending on the numbers, probably between four and six, and you're going to rotate around through different workshops. You're going to have personalised um, help with your game. You're going to pick up some tips along the, on the way. It's going to be a nice, intimate setting. Okay, so it doesn't, it's not this big, extravagant thing. If we were doing a one-day event, we'd look at doing something like that with a, with a big number of, of people. But for what we're getting here, it's a small group thing. Um, you know, we're going to have lots of fun out there. That means that prizes and giveaways, are, you've got an even better chance of picking up something over the weekend. Um, and, and what we also haven't mentioned as well is that uh, the pros, especially Terry, they're going to be doing on-course tips throughout those two days. So they're going to be giving eight hours extra of their time. They're going to be in their, you know, golf cart going along and, and they're going to give us some on-course tips and, and you'll get to play a couple of holes with them as well as they go. So that's a, that's a massive one. Looking forward to it. I think one of the other things we've been able to uh, get on board at the moment is for every group of four, we're looking at doing some junior sponsorships or junior scholarships, I suppose, where we'll be able to cover their uh, their, their membership fees for the year. So uh, looking at some Tokemall juniors potentially and uh, then potentially at some others as well uh, around from potentially your club uh as in the listeners club uh, we we may be able to get into that as well so yeah looking forward to being able to give back uh to to the juniors and give back to Toko Mall as well so yeah really looking forward to that jump into it guys if you haven't seen it as yet jump onto our facebook group golf days australia advice and discussion and spot the details there it's in po posted in the announcements section and you'll yep. be able to see what uh, is involved out there so token mall two nights accommodation um 36 holes so 18 each day on their 36 hole course and uh breakfast and dinner included and we're going to have a bit of a, uh, a somewhat informal dinner on the saturday night have a bit of a chat with pilks and get to know a little bit more about his tour life as well. So, yeah, get involved. Um, numbers will will be taken up pretty quick. So with 24 in there, it's a smaller group. Um, so, yeah, get in there if you're interested. All good. Okay, cool. So maybe let's jump into some golf. We had the RBC uh, on over the weekend, and we talked about it last week. There were a few players that were getting hit up to be mic'd up, and I really enjoyed it for the first couple of days. Uh, we had a couple of players mic'd up. Uh, Adam Hadwin, specifically, day one on the 12th, hits his approach shot and yells out, Chunk City. Chunk I, I City. That, that was absolutely hilarious. But I, I'm not sure how much of a chunk he sees in his game versus mine. Cause, right. Yeah. He, he, hit a chunk. he hit a chunk and it was 15 feet short. Uh, I reckon <laughs> I hit a chunk and it's about, I don't know, maybe 25 metres short <laughs> and did that yesterday actually. And we'll, we'll talk about, uh, I might talk about my round a little bit later and add a bit more to that. But 
Um, but he, he was he was pretty funny on the on the mic. I think he understood that he was being mic'd up as well. Gave a little bit of entertainment without going too far. Uh, but uh, I think he on the very next hole after that Chunk City shot, he uh, lands in a bunker, goes to pull a rock out of out of the place behind his ball, pulls one out, and then goes to get another one. What he thinks is a rock, and it was just a clump of sand. And as soon as he's going to pick it up, it's just you know, fallen out of his fingers. And, of course, calls the rule rule official over, uh, as you should, uh, <coughs> Patrick Reid. Um, and uh, and then, yeah, calls a penalty on himself pretty much. And the match official, once he's confirmed it, uh, you know, Adams turned to him and said, thanks, you know, screw you, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought that was um, fabulous to have on the mic. But... There were a few players out there that didn't need to be mic'd up as well. We had some more F-bombs out there this weekend and they've been doing the rounds on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Who do we have? Rory, um, Harold Varner third, Gary Woodland. Oh, I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. My favourite yeah, was... part about it is listening to the uh, commentators have to apologise afterwards. I know, and and they they all they all kind of go silent at once. They're like, all right, who's who's going to either apologise straight away, or do we just continue on? And um, yeah, it, it's always funny. They kept joking about how the mics were hot, and they were absolutely hot to you know the, over the the weekend. And um, like you said, I love it. I like hearing from them. We all know what it's like on the course, and uh, we've all uh, we've all not been happy with our shot. Um, so you could only imagine if we had some mics following us for the day. But that that was the first couple of days, I suppose, and uh, we we had a bit of an exciting, or oh, a bit of a lacklustre finish, I suppose, actually, with the rain delay happening. Uh, I myself, I think I messaged into the group saying, uh, I woke up early for this, and uh, woke up, didn't realise that the rain delay had happened, uh, got myself ready, plonked, plonked down at the desk and turned the telly on, <laughs> and nothing's there. Nothing I'm, watching, there. I'm watching replays from round three going, hold on, that happened yesterday. What's <laughs> the go? And then, of course, I, I open up the PGA app and it shows me rain delay, you know, inclement weather, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, oh, I wake up early for this. Terrible. But... Um, yeah, I'll tell you what, I think um, Fratelli, Fratelli and uh, JT might have been happy with that rain. They, they were nearly in. They were in and done and, and clubhouse leader after their massive rounds today. And yeah. uh, I think they just wanted it to rain for the next uh, three days straight. <laughs> well, JT hadn't quite finished his round. Uh, oh, right. He had, a, he had a birdie putt on 17 to take the lead um, and didn't didn't go for the putt. The uh, sirens had, uh, had gone, so he couldn't actually make his putt. So he had to stew uh, over making that birdie putt to take the lead. Uh, and I think... I don't know if I'd be going back to the pro shop wondering, okay, I've got to line up that part. Okay, let, let's play it out and try and play it out in front of you on the carpet or wherever you're going to be inside. Yeah. Uh, or whether you just totally switch off, take yourself away from it. Uh, they weren't quite sure if play was actually going to resume uh, on the day either. Uh, so uh, I, I, I wonder what the players do in that situation when they haven't quite finished I reckon JT would have liked an extra 20 minutes, 25 minutes in the day and just post a lead, get into the clubhouse and, and you know, hope for rain 
to uh, to continue. But yeah, I think that's a great question for um, a live chat coming up myself. So I reckon the next pro we get on, we'll have to ask them what they do if they've had a rain delay and they've got a shot coming up. Do they do they go and practice and and mentally prepare for that shot or not? Good question. Let's note that one down. I think we're having a bit of a spoiler alert. We're having a chat this week, live chats in the uh, Golf Days Australia group with Paul Gow. Yeah, we I'm so, yeah, definitely. I'm writing that down. We'll ask him, and uh, if you're listening to this now, you're you're going to hear that question asked to him uh, when you when you listen later on in this podcast. Good, good. So yeah, we'll add that in at the end of uh, us gas bagging again for a little while, but. Um, Webb, Mr. Consistent. Mate, I don't know. I was going to message you guys this morning and just even when he had nothing going on that front nine, I just felt like he was just going to do something. It's what he does. It's kind of what he did to Tony Finau at the Waste Management earlier in the year. And um, I just had this feeling he was going to go on a bit of a tear. And, you know, I I don't dislike Webb Simpson, but he just doesn't have the X factor for me to get excited about him winning. I respect his game and everything else, but he uh, he's not going to break any track man records with anything. He, he, you know, he just does what he needs to. His shot shaping was really good today. He actually struck the ball really well, um, but he, he, he can't get away from how good he is with the putter. And when he gets on, on a roll, pun intended, um, you just can't stop him. And, you know, five birdies in the last seven holes, um, you know, I feel really, I feel bad for Abe, um, answer, you know, he, he hardly missed a green all week. He went, he hit every green in reg today on the final round and still comes up short, must just hurt. Um, he had a couple of crucial putts on that, on that back nine as well that just, just, I don't know how they didn't go in. I, I don't know. You could see from his face, he didn't know how they went in either. But all credit to Webb. Um, you know, it's funny that Father's Day over there in, in the States today and um, he won the US Open on Father's Day. Um, his dad's not around anymore and he wore yellow today for his dad and and he got the win. And um, he also won the players uh, on Mother's Day uh, just after his father passed away. So I don't know what he does, but he gets up for those occasions. So yeah, no, you can't can't uh, hold it from him. He did he did awesome today, and he did what he needed to do. And now he's number five in the world. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's an amazing feat to be able to do that. Uh, if if he's using that emotional draw card to get up, um, yeah, it's one yeah. thing to think about it; it's another thing to convert. Uh, I think the the next thing for him is to take that emotion into um, the the other uh, tournament rounds and you know bank on it. You know, number five in the world is not a <laughs> not an easy feat. And yeah, and he's he's always there and and, and thereabouts, and um, that's why I, you know for our GDA, um, you know for our tipping and that normally he's in my squad um, because I know he's going to be around and about you know, normally at the top and. I think he missed the cut last week, didn't he, in my team? And he, he hurt my team, actually. So, you know, for him to miss the cut last week and then and then come back and, and win this weekend is a great effort. What else happened over the weekend? What else did we have? We had, uh, well, actually, a funny one today. Uh, at the end of the round, I don't know if many people spotted it, but um, Ryan Palmer and uh, Webb finished their round and they kind of showed at the end that Ryan Palmer wasn't too happy because uh, his caddy was in the bunker uh, re-raking because a previous player and their caddy had not done the job. And 
he actually said, uh, Ryan Palmer, pretty angry as well. And he, he just said, who did that? We need to find out. And someone actually threw Ortiz under the bus straight away. It was Ortiz. Ortiz was in there. He's his caddy. Um, and then you just hear Palmer with that, you know, that southern, thick southern accent, just like, we're going to let him know about that. And you're just like, oh, I'd love to be a fly <laughs> on the wall for that, con- you know, confrontation because I reckon they're pretty proud of, you know, the, the caddies doing what they need to do and making sure that, yeah, if Webb had ended up over the back and ended up in a hole or something like that because it wasn't raked, there's obviously a, a big yeah. no-no there. So that was an interesting one to spot at the end of today. Absolutely. And uh, Nick Watney, coronavirus, COVID-19, tested positive. Yeah, yeah, big one for that. Um, I, I thought the PGA handled it pretty well. They were pretty lucky with Nick that he um, he travelled privately to the tournament instead of on the charter flight. So I don't know what their, their policy or procedure would have been if he was on that charter flight. Mm. Um, but luckily he was on his own. So they I think they got in touch with about 11 people that he had spent time with, um, you know, extended time with close by. So they, they tested all of, of them. And um, I don't know if anyone's had a test done themselves or you need to look up Ian Poulter's uh, Instagram or his Twitter and see the video of him getting the test done, but it's not comfortable. Uh, it's a great video actually to watch because he's just there going, you know, this is what an athlete needs to do. It's all worth it. And his eyes are watering and, and it just, the stick just doesn't stop going down his nose. So um, yeah, Nick Watney, it was always a matter of time before somebody, um, I guess, tested positive, but I think they handled it well. And um Going forward, we'll see what happens there. Hopefully, hopefully think, they don't um, have anyone else. JT came out and he was sort of talking about the the town. The uh, town, yeah. Well, they just they just don't seem to get it. They don't they don't seem to understand what's going on in the world today. And social distancing just doesn't seem to be a thing. And it and he didn't mean that in a detriment to the town itself. And he and he was clear about making that point, but. Um, yeah, he he didn't want to be out and about. Uh, I think he took from that that he wanted to just bunker down and you know, take care of himself and his own. So he's got a, a chef that stays with him constantly and just, um, they, yeah, they get fed indoors. They don't go out. So it must be tough uh, on, on tour life in, uh, in general, but to uh, have to be on tour and go through this, have to travel, and uh, keep yourself safe. As you said, it was only a matter of time before someone's come out with a positive test, and unfortunately, it's Nick Watney. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully he's okay. Um, hopefully, yeah. the I, symptoms aren't bad for him. I think it's hard for JT to say, you know, not having to crack at the town, but he still said it was like a zoo. Uh, it's a bit hard <laughs> to call it, you know, everywhere out there a zoo, and then and then say, oh, but no, you know, don't take it personally. But um, yeah, I think it reminds me back of when um. You know, we were first locking things down over here in Australia and, and on the East Coast and in New South Wales and, and when uh, everyone got the cranks because uh, all those people would turn up at Bondi Beach and stuff and all, all being over the top of each other and just probably weren't taking it as seriously as what we thought at the time. So uh, mm. it sounds like their town's just kind of doing the similar thing and it'd be hard from his perspective where everything and his living and his earnings are all reliant on not contracting this, this um, you know, this disease or this... Um, COVID-19 so seeing other people not follow the rules or not do what he's probably been told that they should be doing that would probably be frustrating for him so 
but I think they're doing everything that they can, the, the PJ and, and, you know, testing them every week and everything else like that. So it's uh, hopefully, yeah, we don't see it again. Speaking of zoo, there's an animal on the course uh, on, the, on the weekend. <laughs> Take take us through what, uh, what we're, not, you're we're not talking about Bubba's uh, crabs, are we? <laughs> yes, we're talking about Bubba's crabs. Bubba's got crabs. Um, oh, got Bubba, what he got crabs on his balls? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he he was mic'd up this morning uh, for his round. Uh, Twitter was, was on fire about it. They just uh, loved it. Um, if you haven't seen it, just just have a look at this clip of Bubba. Um, he's in the bunker, and um, there's literally a crab that's on his ball and he um he he he, he doesn't want to um he doesn't want to hit the shot uh, even though they think the crab's dead where it's lying um he's worried about it doesn't you know he says you know there's cameras here there's these animal rights people i don't want to have there's too much drama in the world i don't need crab <laughs> issues um so yeah, yeah, it was hilarious um and he was really good on the mic and um I, hopefully Look, he might he might be one of my smokies for uh, for this weekend coming up. So hopefully we hear him mic'd up a little bit more. Sounds good. And on the Aussie front, mate, quiet one again. Mm. We had what um, uh, Matt Jones, only Matt one Jones flying up. the flag. The only the only one again uh, two weeks in a row. Matt Jones, um, the only Aussie to make the cut. So... Tell tell me about that beard, Grizzly Adams. Like he's definitely from from being down the Australian Open um, last year and, and seeing you know babyface uh, Matt Jones there to <laughs> what you see now he's got a grizzly Adams beard going so uh, yeah it's different for him yep definitely I mean I've got a you know, dead rat on the top lip going um, <laughs> you know, so it's the isomo uh, but <laughs> go on the go on the whole hog. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not quite sh- sold on it at the moment. I don't know if it suits him uh, at the moment. Probably st- checking him out without a hat on that might be a little bit different. But uh, yeah, there's certainly a few mows and a few beards. Uh, at least he's in- making the cut. I don't care how our Aussies look over there. If they're making the cut <laughs> and they're they're making some money, then um, yeah, they can do whatever he wants. And he's just as pure as they come. And um, yeah, the beards. See how it goes for him. Maybe, maybe he's keeping maybe it on till the next the victory or something. Let's see maybe, how big it gets. Maybe it'll bring him some luck. Enjoy. I hope. I hope it does. And right. uh, let's let's maybe uh, turn our attention and have a bit of a chat about some group highlights. Uh, we've had uh, a fair few posts getting through the group this week in the last week at least. And you, you've got a post of the week that you want to chat about. Yeah, just uh, one of the the uh, insights this week into Amy Walsh's uh, yardage book. I just that video uh, just was great. I, I just I've I've always wondered about a, a pro's yardage book. I I get a kick mm-hmm. out of um, you know golf golf course uh, the books when they have their own yardage book. I, I like it if I'm away on on a trip or a golf trip. I like paying the extra money to see what it's like because I haven't seen the course for for the first time yeah. and and I think it's a cool little collecting thing as well. But um. I've always wondered what's in their yardage book and, and how in-depth it is. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, – she showed um, Bonville where she played up there for a tournament. 
and and showed the full yardage book, which you know had a picture of the what it looked like off the tee, and then it had the green side and all the markings on it. And she was explaining the markings and the wind and everything else. And yeah, I just I, I was enthralled the whole time, and I, I thought it was a great video. If you haven't seen it, um, go check out Amy Amy Walsh's video about her yardage book this week. I, I think it was raining somehow, raining in the Gold Coast, um, so she couldn't get on the course, and she decided to do this one, and it, it was brilliant. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I think the the little part that I really enjoyed, and you touched on it quickly there, is the wind. So she'll go through each hole. It's got a compass uh, on yeah, on each hole. That shows, yeah, yeah, where it's uh, where it's pointing towards, and she'll draw. Uh, she'll put some markings in there to tell herself where the wind is going to be coming from on that yeah. day. So uh, a great insight into a pro's life there. Um, yeah invaluable just just seeing them those little uh those one percenters i guess that are just making them so much different than the amateur golfer and and the added things that they've got to think about and yeah with her wind she had every hour what the predicted wind was to southwest 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 you know and and it was amazing just to see that that insight into a pro's game yeah exactly and i think my um post of the week at the moment come from slapper uh pete slewinski and it talks about bifurcation um now we've got a controversy corner coming up a little bit so i might hold off on my post of the week uh but that's where my one goes to this week it it sparked uh, a lot of comments on that uh on that post both for i don't know what that word means so i'm looking forward to getting a controversy corner (laughs) and finding out um so yeah uh, slapper uh, he he couldn't decide where he sat on yeah. uh, which side of the fence he sat on for it so does he is he in favor of um changing the rules and uh, introducing a, a ball that only goes 85% or, or do we let him go and and get courses to um to to manage their course design around the modern game so lots to uh, lots to uncover in controversy corner this week. And uh, Matt Bailey's post of the week last week, Nate, was uh, about Pinjara Pro Shop doing the Pro Shop Life with Matt Heath, and we've decided that uh, reached out to Matt, and he was happy enough to grace us with some of his time and, and join us this evening. How are you, Matt? You good? Yeah, good guys. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. But uh, mate. It's been a pretty uh, pretty fun few months for you, and it looks as though those videos have taken off quite a bit and gone a little viral. What's the what's the reaction been like for yourself? Yeah, it's um, as I was saying, it's just scary what the internet's like. You can um, where I'm in the middle of nowhere, this golf club, and then there's people in England and US who are replying to it, and it's just like it's just so bizarre. But obviously, uh, every pro shop goes through the same thing I do, so. Um, no, it's it's very cool, um, and yeah, it's just uh, thanks for uh, sharing it yourself, and it's been good. Yeah, not a problem, and I think between you've got two part series so far, um, and uh, <laughs> from the sounds of it, you're thinking of some more. Uh, and both of those episodes combined, you're up to over sixty thousand views on Facebook alone. So um, I suppose what else has happened off the back of that? Uh, you mentioned you'd been getting a couple of messages from uh, from random pros uh, about some other suggestions. Yeah, I've had like guys from England who are saying they love the video. In the next one, can you add this and 
um, even when they share it, the little heading at the top saying like, oh, this is what it's like working at this club. And it's like they're trying to vent to their members. They've finally got an outlet to say, you're all a pain in the ass and this is what I have to deal with every day. Um, but yeah, it's all, like, it's all a good fun. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's bizarre. Everyone has the same sort of stuff going on. Um, but yeah, now I've got to, um, I had the PGA of Australia contact me and they want, they want more. So I've got to think of other things but, and I've, I've got to actually do some work as well. So, um, but the club's pretty happy with that. It gives the club a bit of a pedestal. We're sort of out of, out of the middle of nowhere. So, um, if we're plastered all over the internet and people hear about us, that's, that can only be a good thing. So. You're on the map. Pinjaro is on the map, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's far off the map, but it's, it's yeah, it's back on the map. So, um, what's been uh, what's been your your favourite suggestion so far? Um, yeah, that's hard. Like, I think it's funny because people watch the second one and then all their suggestions are what I covered in the first one. So I'm almost sort of going, go have a look at the first one. I think the the phone call about the rain, that must be universal because that drives me crazy. And, um, and that's what everyone keeps saying. Like put the bloke in that calls about what the weather's going to be like in three days time. Like I've done it. (laughs) Like it's the first thing I did. um, And even my members now, like, like just, last week rang me and asked they're coming at 12 was it gonna be raining then and i'm like i I feel like they haven't seen the video so i've got to be polite Um, i think that has got it there's got to be a few members that have taken it a bit personally haven't they that they think that they're they're the ones that have been targeted yeah a couple of guys like uh last week one of the boys got came in paid for his round got on the first tee and forgot his scorecard and he said that he didn't want to come back in he was like i'm not going back in i'm gonna (laughs) Just, I'm going to NR, it doesn't matter. I don't want him to laugh at me when I walk back in. So, <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. They've all, they've all taken it well. Some of them have put their hand up going, yeah, that's me. I'm that bloke that talks about my round and you don't want to listen to it. So, um, but yeah, all good fun. <laughs> I think my favorite is in the second episode, first one up is careful, just printed that bad boy myself this morning. <laughs> Yeah, I, that that is my grandpa. <laughs> I think I said this last week. Yeah, that that's my grandpa and my uncle to an absolute T. Like I could yeah. see them saying this, and I think my grandpa used to say it to me all the time. You know, every time I'd go and visit him, yeah, he'd give you a couple of cheeky five or ten dollar notes, and he'd he'd tell you as he's headed to you, yeah, just printed yeah. that one this morning. That's an absolute classic. That's a good one. They're the kind of guys, but they probably haven't seen the video because nope. they don't know how to work a phone. So no, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, no, I think the the first, the very next day, um, there was a couple of guys lining up to get to pay, and uh, in the corner was a bloke trying shoes on, and uh, he's put the shoes on, and he's walked up and down, and I've like pointed, and they've lost it, and I'm like, I told you, it's all based. Not, I didn't make up anything. It's all based on facts. So. <laughs> very good. I think we've uh, we've we've thought about this over the last last couple of days about some examples. Uh, and I think you, you you obviously said you're going to do some more episodes and maybe some more on-course ones as well. Uh, I think there's one that, that I, I get you know, quite often. In, I play on Sunday comps and there's usually some older blokes playing in that one. And uh, depending on the, the weather itself, old mate could be out there and he's hit one just off, off the fairway and he goes over and he's just, you know, just literally picking up his ball and going, preferred lies here today, mate, isn't it? And he's and he's already moving his ball, and uh, and I'm, I'm looking at looking at the car going, oh, the, there's nothing on there for today about preferred <laughs> lies, and I didn't see it on the sign before, but I'll let you have it, old mate. This one, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll pull you up on the next one. 
Yeah, it's been preferred lies at Leeton, uh, Royal Leeton Golf Course for the last however many years. So that's what I do every time I go to another course. I, you, what do you mean? I play preferred lies back home. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't have preferred lies even in the fairway here. So, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's so many there's so many stereotypes out there. I, I've got a couple here as well on course for sure. Um, and this is a bit controversial. We've been talking about this week already, but the, the guy with the golf club covers. And not just the golf club covers, but uh, the ones that, you know, leave them behind or, or uh, you know, have to go back and, and grab them. Same with uh, a certain someone in this call right now that leaves his clubs at the last green. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And if it's not my club, I've... I put my pitch repairer down so that my grip doesn't rest on the grass. You know, it doesn't get oh, wet, no. you know. And I pick no. the club up, but I leave the pitch repairer there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a common one for me. So I will 100% put my hand up for that one. Yeah. What else you got so for many. us, mate? So, yeah, you, got, uh, you got the guy that uh, always just finds his ball. He'll be out in the scruff <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. You know he's hit it. 50 metres further left out of bounds, but all of a sudden there it is, the ball's there. Yep, got it, boys. Found it. Found it right here. I don't, mate. Um, what's another one like? Oh, the guy that's like 10 strokes higher than you on a handicap that is happy to give you tips along the, that round. Yeah. Um, you know, that yeah. wants to point out, oh, no, nah, I think your hand's a bit too far over there or you're doing this or that. I'm like, right, mate. Thanks. Thanks for the tip. And the other one, the last one I'll leave you with, the, the, the one I like is, when you get paired up with that guy that's got the uh, the ball scooper and he pulls that ball scooper out nearly every time he go goes past water, just finds along the way, mate. He's making money. It's actually he's probably the smart one. He's making money in a round where I'm losing money. So, um, but, but and he'll always get his ball back out of that water if it goes in there. Oh, that <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, I can't. I made a list. I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, 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 there's a heap of them out there. Well, what we might do is uh, we, we might put a post up in the group and ask uh, ask our members if they've got any more suggestions and yeah, feel free to troll through them and uh, add them in. I'm sure they'd get a kick out of uh, being added in <laughs> to the yeah. next episode for you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Got, by, um, by the end of it, you're probably going to have about four four more episodes worth. Mate, you'll uh, have heaps of episodes of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'll probably go out and watch some guys play. I know there's a couple like when the ball falls off the tee and that one bloke says one. Oh. Um, yeah, oh, that's one. Yep. The, the guy <laughs> that borrows wants to borrow your brand new driver and skies it. Um, yes. Yeah. So I've got to. Um, there's so I've many videos now. I'm down. thinking about it. You've got you got the warm up process as well around the practice green. There's a heap of stereotypes that you see around there as well. Um, yeah. You've got after the round, or you know how the round finishes, or or that um, you know getting out of the car in the morning. There's so many yeah. different stereotypes that you can take the piss out of. I might have to do like because the bloke that. I accidentally said my name was Ron, the bloke with the hat and the, the Puma shirt. So I've had to, even at work at the minute, if I make a mistake, one of the members go, oh, Ron's working today. Ron. Like, oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I might have to do a full day, like when he arrives, when he practices, when he plays, and then when he leaves. So it might have to be, um, yeah, that sounds 100%. pretty cool. I might have to do that, yeah. He might 100%. be a new character for you. I spotted a couple of other videos in there. Um, you'd, you'd done some security or CCTV footage uh, reviews on some some of the stuff in the pro shop there oh. it was uh what the the ball rack fell off the counter <laughs> all the balls have gone yeah, flying I've, into the um, shop i've had a couple of shockers i've um, was that I've you tried... that one yeah oh, this that's... is all me yeah I've, uh, <laughs> got, we had a new electric buggy that like the boys in the morning on a saturday 
we open at six, but that they're at four thirty in the morning because they don't want to be at home with the wife, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, when I'm there, they're in having a chat, telling me about the day, and I had this new electric buggy, and they wanted to have a look at it, and I hadn't used it before, and I, I didn't realise it was set to ten. So as soon as I've hit it on, it's flown it's straight into the door, and I've had to yeah, and it's all on security test footage. It's like oh no, does it have no bag on it to lay it down? So it's just yeah, taken off. That's definitely. <laughs> definitely wrong working when that stuff happens so <laughs> very good very good and what else is happening for pinjara um golf club at the moment uh, we've obviously gone through a, a worldwide pandemic over the last few months and uh are, uh restrictions easing off over there at the moment yeah yeah i mean as we we're talking about the golf was the only thing you could do so um yeah, a very very sporty town with um, um footy and soccer um cricket and all those boys are itching to play something. So they've all come out to golf, having a game, having a beer, not getting injured. Um, and, and we've just, the amount of members that we've grabbed from this has just been unreal. And we've just got to obviously do the right thing now and keep them and hopefully don't poach them too much from the footy team, but um, definitely give them yeah. an alternative. Um, uh, but as I say, it's, it's been awesome. We've had pretty good weather as well. So um, yeah, now I'm hoping uh, we can keep this this going. Um, it is it is a bit of a country town, like sort of like Tokenwall, where you're going to play your... Um, that event, event it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's it's very much like that so um yeah it's just really good people um love the place if i need help i've got volunteers like that so um yeah, really friendly great. place so yeah good place to be very good pinjara pinjara g uh gda event in the future hey yeah <laughs> it could be yeah. a wa one yeah right. that'd that be, could be our, that'd first, be great first, our first uh, wa one that'd be great yeah, go yeah. For it. Um, yeah as long as good. ron's there if ron's not there <laughs> yeah. all day we're not coming we can be the course marshal, pissing people off. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. I'm looking forward to that. Well, uh, thanks, um, thanks for joining us, Matt. I really appreciate your time, and and mate, I wish you uh, all the success. I suppose with these videos, keep uh, keep making them, and we'll keep sharing them into the group. Uh, we'll put up a post as well to uh, help with some suggestions because uh, yep, yeah, they, they've they've obviously hit the mark, and and we found them quite funny. And we found them all the way over here in, on the on the east coast of the of Australia. Uh, yep. Funny thing, as you said, how the internet works, but it's provided some great entertainment out there. So, uh, again, thanks very much for for taking the time, and really appreciate uh, you speaking us with with us tonight. Yep, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Enjoy it. All right, and on to our own games. Nate, did you get a, a round in this weekend? Mate, I didn't get around in this weekend. Uh, it was uh, always looking like rain out here, which is, is great for our area. So it was looking cold and wet, and I got the call up. I've been out here for eight years now, and I finally got the call up uh, to make some salami. So one of the big things out here, um, lots of Italians around, so salami is pretty, pretty uh, popular around here. But I got the call up uh, from a mate, and uh, we went and cut up 300 kilos of, of some uh, beautiful pig and made some salami. So that was a big day. Uh, I felt like I walked about 56 holes um, afterwards because <laughs> uh, they, they worked me. I thought you just sat around and drank all day, but I uh, got worked pretty hard. And um, now nah, it was a fun time. But so, yeah, no golf, no golf from me this weekend. But um, I'll get back into it next weekend. We've actually got our pennants back. So our, our last round of pennants, which I'm the captain of our team out here at Leeton. So we're playing on the sand greens out at Lockhart. So 
Looking Ooh. forward to that one. Uh, we're, we've got a mathematical chance to still make the finals, but um, we're going to have to have some results go our way and have a big win. So looking forward to that this weekend, and I'm sure I'll report on that next weekend. But, um, mate, I heard you took the bickies uh, this weekend. You had a hit? I did have a hit. And, uh, mate, how good is golf? Really? How good is it? How good is golf? No, I had a I had a hit yesterday, and I, I was that random fourth in a in a group. So Bailey and I were supposed to have a hit, and unfortunately, um, he's in the middle of moving house at the moment, so he couldn't quite get out for uh, four and a half hours to avoid moving uh, moving some furniture. So I had to you know pull him out out of the group uh, that we were supposed to be in, and yeah, I had to be the random fourth in in another group. Uh, but I really enjoyed. Uh, playing with the group that, that we were there i hadn't actually met them before yeah great uh, I've, I've only just rejoined gosford since being a, as a, a junior there um you know in late december last year so uh, getting to meet some of the the members is quite fun but um yeah had a had a cracking round uh they they had me off 13 my lowest handicap i've ever actually been off at gosford um and i'd put myself in for the um, golf surprise comp with uh, undercover golf guys and uh, I've, I've had a couple of rounds with them before I've, I've picked one up previously but they gave me a uh, score of 38 points to achieve or better for 75 bucks and I actually thought it was really good motivation through throughout um, and even being off 13 as the lowest I'd been off I actually never thought that the score was out of reach um so i had a cracking round so um uh, essentially i i I went through the the front nine up down you know uh three points one point three points one point couple of two pointers didn't have a wipe so that that was the thing i was probably most proud of on the front nine didn't have a wipe and i've come in with 18 points so happy with that Uh, then turn the corner i know there's three holes in a row that i don't get a shot on um, being off off 13 and there's a couple more that I didn't get so I was gonna have to pull my finger out to get 20 points on the back nine so um, yeah par 5 10th just missed a birdie putt uh, almost hit the green in two I was probably about uh, three meters short uh, right up the guts on the second shot but three meters short of the of the green um, chipped on almost missed the almost got the birdie putt and uh, sunk sunk the par at least, but par meant three points. What I didn't do on the front nine was back up a three pointer with a with a two pointer or, or better. I just went yep. three one. So on the eleventh, got down there and uh, and backed it up with a two pointer. So I was happy there. But go go to the twelfth, and I've fallen asleep in my backswing, and I've just absolutely you know duck hooked this thing. Uh, onto the the next tee box and uh, and then proceeded to fail from there and had my first wipe. Uh, so after going three, then two, and then back to a wipe, I was like, oh, okay, I'd gotten one shot up and now I'm a shot back. Uh, so had to pull my finger out. I went on a bit of run after that, three points, two, 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 and uh, I'd hit a cracking drive on 16. It's almost a reachable uh, par four, and I've hit this. 292 um probably my biggest drive on this hole uh almost ever beefcake um, the beefcake and, 292 
it was oh, it felt awesome being able to hit hit it that far. I don't think I've ever hit one that far. So that was good. I really enjoyed that one um, and converted that. So going into 1718, I needed two pars, two pars, a par four and a par five. So I needed to par both of those to get to 38 points. Hit tee shot on 17, uh, dog leg right, perfect tee shot, three wood to get to the corner and had a, a great view at the green. Chunk my approach shot. Um, and kind of what I was saying before about uh, Adam Hadwin's uh, chunk city, uh, my chunk was about 10 metres short of the green. <laughs> so yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, not 10 feet short of the hole. Um, and unfortunately, the chip just went a little bit too far, a little bit uh, beyond the, the hole and had a downhill putt to, to make par and, and missed it. So I've come away with, uh, with, with two points and, and I, now I needed birdie on the 18th. Um, and I was, I was threatened, but I, I thought, well, I've hit this in two before. If I get a good tee shot here, I can hit it in two again. Um, and did I get a good tee shot? Uh, I, I've absolutely nailed this one again. And normally I'm off the right and get a good view at the green, but it's a long way. And normally it's a driver three wood for me to hit, hit the green. It's a significantly uphill slope into an elevated green and uh, it's guarded by a bunker left and right at the front. Um, I've bombed this shot, this, this tee shot, and it's gone about 40 metres past where I normally am. I've hit the driest patch probably on the whole entire course because it's been raining lately. Uh, and it's got this absolute beautiful bounce up to the centre of the fairway and I only need five iron in. Normally I'm hitting three wood in. But now I only need five iron in. So practice swing, cleared myself, hit this shot, crisp, absolutely felt crisp. And it's sailing towards the left front bunker. And I'm just I'm just calling out saying anywhere from there. Please anywhere but there. please make it. Please make it. Yeah, please make it. And then I just see it just skip over it, pop up, bounce, and and I'm like, sweet, that can't be too far away. And roll up there. It's pitched pin high and just rolled off back left edge. Chipping's been good for me all day. So I thought, okay, cool. Just need to get this close. And pick my spot, hit the spot, rolls around, about a foot and a half for uh, for birdie. And I, I marked it. I couldn't have marked it any quicker. Marked it, let everyone else putt out, just patiently waited and uh, yeah. Yeah, walked over, lined up uh, without any hesitation putted it for birdie and uh it's awesome it took the money it is 38 points 75 bucks courtesy of the undercover golf guys yep, the golf um, surprise comp yeah so <laughs> that's actually really brilliant and i think from a mental perspective as well it's uh, i think it's helped me and i've talked about this before it's helped me get focused and stay focused for a round and it's something with money on the line it helps me I'm not not good in match play, but when I'm playing against myself and I'm trying to set myself a, a target, I think yeah. that added incentive of the of the money has definitely uh, definitely helped me. And then you know uh, to top it off, I've come second you know on account back in the club comp as well. So I've ended up with over a hundred bucks for the day. Yeah, so that's all. Winner winner chicken yeah, I, dinner. I, I think, and um, I know we've plugged these guys a few times, and 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 there's a link there on our on our uh, page to to jump in there. But I just think having that target that you know is going to collect some cash 
is a really good thing to go into a round with. Um, whereas I know a lot of the times you can get lost on the back nine and start to think about, is this enough? Am I, could I win with this? Am I in a position? Or oh, I'm going to, looks like I'm headed towards a 37 or a 38 point, or I'm not going to win the cash. I'm not going to get this. So I think this just lets you have that target in mind. It's always, I mean, we always try and have a target when you go to golf anyways, but it's very easy to, oh, I'm not going to make that and just forget about the round. So you know, yeah. the one time that I've, that I've got the bickies with that as well when I needed 33 points. It just kept me on track in that back nine when I when I thought the game was over. So I, I think, it, did you did you tell the group you were playing with about it beforehand? Did they know that you were on track yeah, for that? I, yeah, I did. I, I sort of mentioned it, um, I think, on the 5th. So they'd, they'd known for a little bit and I hadn't, I wasn't sort of just talking about it constantly. I'd literally just dropped it and said, oh, I'm doing this yep. this week and I've got to get 38 points, blah, 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 as you're doing, you know, casual conversation when you meet people for the first time. And uh, and so, you know, through the back nine, they'd, they'd, uh, they'd known that I'd obviously made 18 points on the on the front and uh, and, yeah, getting closer to... You know what, 15, 16, 17, They 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 were onto it, and they were they were cheering me on to a degree. I think yeah. had I not had that score in mind, um, and I'd hit and say I wanted to get you know thirty eight points anyway, just in my own head. Um, had I hit bogey on seventeen, I, I probably would have gone. Um, I will. I'll, I'll just you know go for what I can here and and see what I can get on eighteen, and, and wouldn't have been as motiva- motivated. Um, but yeah, having that money on the line and 38 points, um, yeah, I rode that wave big time and yeah, came up with the bickies, which is yeah a lot of fun. And as I said, how good is golf? Um, I, I'm actually reveling in the fact that I'm, I'm probably not going to have a round this weekend because I'm going to go and help Matt move. Um, yep. so I'm going to get to, uh, get to, to think about that one for two weeks before I have another round. <laughs> and then you'll, you'll go back in another week's time wanting the same round and go, oh. Hang on, what's happening? Yeah, what's going on here? I'm hit. I'm still hitting them uh, daily in my net out the back at least, so yeah. I don't get run to you at all. <laughs> nice work. So we had a, we had another guy that had a good week this week, Blair Scott. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, that was a post in our uh, in our group as well. So a hole in one from Blair Scott. Uh, shout out to you, mate. 129 meters, a par three, seventh at Penrith, and it's apparently his third ace. Oh come on, really? Oh, but third ace. Well, I'll I'll tell you, good work, Blair. But I'll, I'll tell you, you about. You, you've um, got a story, actually. Not. I've a... got a story here about what should you, have you love been your hole in one, don't you, Nate? Yeah, I do. This is a this is <laughs> this is a. Uh, I kind of enjoy it because he didn't end up getting the hole in one, and he would have oh. had that over me. But uh, but I really. Feel bad for the bastard as well. Like if you if you have a look at this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'll explain what happened. So he's a Scott Scott McDonald, one of my good mates. He was a member of Bankstown Golf Course uh, in Sydney, and um, he he rocked up to his uh, seventh hole, um, so 177 meter par three. Uh, he mm. hits a great, he hits a big ball. Um, my short game is probably just a tad better than his, and that's why I've uh, I've I've got him with the with the cap. But I tell you what, once he gets that short game, he's going to hammer everyone. But he's hit this seven iron, 177 meters. So that that tells you how far he can hit the ball. Yeah. Um, 
and he's hit this ball and it is tracking dead center to the uh, hole. Never looks like moving. It absolutely hits the hole on the fly and bounces out six to seven meters below oh. the hole. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the photo of what it looked like and I'll, I'll put it up on our Facebook page so people can see. But oh no way. Because of COVID-19, you see, a lot of the courses have got the noodle, the pool noodle cut off and it, it's put down in the hole. And we can see here that his ball and the pitch mark is right on the edge of the hole. You can see where it's landed. It's absolutely gone into the hole, slam dunk, ricocheted off the pool noodle and flown out. Um, so absolutely heartbreaking for him. Um, it was only a matter of time before that happened. Oh, and he, yeah, poor bugger. He's not dealing with it very well. I think Bankstown threw it all over their Facebook page as well. Um, so oh. everyone knows about it. Um, so yeah, yeah, poor bugger. But I just thought I'd give I didn't him a shout out. Not no, count not count. No way. No, he still had seven foot for the birdie. So actually, I don't even know if he made the birdie putt. Um, <laughs> love to find that one out of Scott. I know he's not going to be happy that I've even mentioned it, but uh, yeah, he's not happy at all with that one. And and poor bugger, you just you'd never know. Like looking at it without that noodle in there, it's probably it could be staying in there, it could be jarred in there, but um, he'll never know now, and he'll always be uh, thinking that every time he steps up to that hole. He I said every that. time he closes his eyes, he hears the ting sound as it hit the stick. So, yeah, the <laughs> poor bugger. I, I, I've i seen a couple in comp with the, the noodle and the the pin sort of, you know, tilted to the side slightly yeah. and someone's, you know, hit a, hit a birdie putt and it's hit the pin and, and popped back out and we're like... I've had it three times any, at least. Any other day of the week... Dead center, three foot away, bang in, and it just pops out, and you're like, or it just and hits it, off to the side, and you're like, but the, like the, it's, the 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 flag was specifically leaning because of what was in the cup. Not uh, this is COVID related stuff that it, it, yeah. it bounces out because of what's yeah. in the cup. Um, yeah. and I know one that we we've given it to because like any other day, any other time, without that, um. Without that piece of material in there, it would have been in. Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a hard time seeing that photo and coming to the the, the realization that that hasn't been given. But obviously, a birdie part's a little bit different to an to an ace. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, That's a tough I'm one, and you can't take it. Nobody's going to let you take that. The ball didn't stay in the hole. So as if you could ever claim your hole in one, it's like hitting a hole in one on your own. You can't. It's just you mm. can't claim it. It's yep. not in there. It hurts. It does hurt. Sorry, Scotty. It's a deep burn. Yeah. Next Sorry time, to hear about Next that, time, Scotty. Mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Oh, moving on. All right. Well, on that note, controversy corner. A couple of things that we want to talk about this week. Uh, and we might get the first topic out of the way because I, th- I think we're both on the same side of the coin here. But... Uh, we've been giving so a certain someone a little bit of stick about thinking about this. Um, iron covers, Nate. Mm, iron covers. Yes. Poor old Joshy. Joshy's getting another mention. <laughs> Rory's had a bad day again today. Uh, but, um, yeah, Joshy's spent 
quite a bit of dough on his on his new sticks, and they are good looking clubs. And uh, he threw it out there for the for the group the other day in our, our group chat just to see. I think it was mentioned with um, some club covers, some iron covers, and it split uh, the group pretty quickly. Everyone was uh, either very for them or against them. Uh, I don't think there's really any in between. But, yeah, I'll, I'll look, I'll admit I was a club cover boy once. I uh, I think the last – when I bought these sticks, I thought, yeah, I'll buy some club covers and look after them. I think three three, three rounds later with them, I'd lost four of the covers. Um <laughs> So uh, that that was it for me. Um, oh. I, I just because I kept losing them, but um, I I don't know. It's, I I like the bag chatter. I like a bit of bag chatter. I like the sound. I like that tink. Um, of course, we cover up our woods and 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 that. But um, I, I like the irons kind of clinging around in the back. And I guess one of the the um, I guess arguments for club covers is the the resale value. And I guess I've never had good enough clubs to think about the resale value. Or even just think about selling them. So, look, I'd 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 happily buy clubs off someone that had used covers, but then I don't. I would never be using them myself. You you'll never see me with club covers. Let's put it that yeah, way. No, no. I'm, I'm a yeah, hard no. no. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely a hard no. Absolutely <laughs> a hard no. I, I I can understand the resale value thing, but you just go and spend, you know, two grand on a new set of clubs. I can hardly see myself getting rid of them. Uh, I'm, I'm playing a set of clubs that I got given as a birthday present off my old man um, because he didn't like it. I absolutely love my clubs, uh, Wilson clubs, and and yeah, I I love doing it, uh, love hitting them with them, and I'm hitting 38 points with them. So yeah. I, I I got no problem with using them. I've got some newer wedges, um, but uh, yeah, the the set itself, uh, I, I absolutely love them. But and I guess another thing for me is that I I know I'm going to hit a rock. I know I'm going to scrape those clubs. <laughs> I know they're going to have marks on them. So if I turn into this club cover guy, this club cover guy, I'm going to be stressed out about every time I put that club behind the ball, no matter where I am. And I spend a lot of time in the shit. So look, they're going to get scratched. They're going to get marked. I love cleaning my clubs. Don't get me wrong. That's my ritual on a Friday night. I love cleaning them, uh, but I'll keep them. I'll keep them nice and clean and those grooves clean. But other than that, no. Uh, that, what do you no, do? No, what do you ever. do with and the, I don't uh, want to play when I rock up and I play with someone with club covers on. You know it's going to be a long day. I'll, I'll cop some <laughs> stick for that. That's fine. I'm happy with that. Uh, I think someone. I think Scott Gamble actually put a post up this week. Um, and it was like when you turn up and these guys are in your group and it's just two two guys <laughs> with uh, club covers on on all of their clubs and uh, I just I just it wasn't up all their it. clubs though, right? It wasn't all oh, their okay. clubs. Right, One of them right. didn't have covers on their driver their three wood or their hybrid <laughs> they, had, they had iron covers or, or head covers yeah. on their yeah. sticks but not uh, on the ones you'd want to keep valuable um or that are i don't know yeah uh, if you were looking at, at buying a, a second hand set and you'd seen that there's a few dings here and there like and they're what 12 months old and there's a few dings here and there on them from specifically from um, Club Chatter. Are you devaluing them at all? No, I'd 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 hope to get price off them for them. Maybe I'd I'd probably use it against them and say, look, there's scratches all <laughs> over that, or there's things. 
But I, I, look, they're not going to—they're not going to perform any differently in my eyes. And um, if you—if you can pick them up, uh, and yeah, I, look, I'm not going to say no to to a bigger bit of bag chatter in there. I—I I think that that means they've been loved. And they've been well used, and they are primed to booty put in your hand. But look, I'm looking to get some new covers? irons. I'm gonna, I'm gonna soon, you know, um, get some new irons. I, I'm due my irons. I had when I started when I was off 24, and and now I'm down near that single figure. I, I, I'm due some new irons, and trust me, no, no, no covers going on them bad boys. What do you do with the head covers when you need to clean them? Like, do you, do you put them in the in the washing machine with all your undies and your socks? Yeah, what, I, what do you so. do? I don't know. We'll have to ask. We'll have to ask Joshy. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll. Yeah, uh, I think Joshy was too busy. I think his hardest problem is picking which color, which color of club cover he wanted. So <laughs> let's just let's just let him choose his color, and uh, we'll go from there. He'll get a he'll get a pair of matching uh, tracksuit pants and jacket with his uh, iron covers. <laughs> mate, what I'd pay to see that. I tell you. Oh, uh, that would be uh, that would be fun, Joshy. There you go, mate. Come on, we need you to fly yeah. out the. Mate, and, uh, and and show us your new tracksuit and uh, iron covers for your clubs. Mate, fly <laughs> that fly that iron cover flag proudly, brother. I thought we were going to cover that one off pretty quickly, but that, <laughs> there was a That's lot. A, little bit of a bit of passion there. Now let's move <laughs> on to the next one. Oh, bifurcation. So Colin Montgomery came out and uh, and said he'd be in favour of a tall ball which goes 80, 85% as far. Um, Gary McCord former PGA Tour player himself and, and legendary broadcaster, joined the Fully Equipped podcast. If you haven't heard their podcast, jump on. They're actually pretty entertaining. Um, After you listening to ours, obviously, not now. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was thrown the hypothetical of being PGA commissioner and what he'd do. Um, he's not a fan of bifurcation, essentially saying that PGA would be sued by people you don't even know. They're the words out of his mouth. 60 to 70% of advertising is from golf club companies. And he said the moment we try to slow the game down or shorten the game up, they would sue the PGA. Um, they did a test recently and the top five um, golfers hit a 200cc driver on average 270 yards. Um, I, for one, don't think I could be a fan if this was in place. What are your thoughts, Nate? I've had a bit of think about it. So it's it's been something that's been going on for a while, and there's been a lot of talk about it. PGA brought out their their big uh, distance report um, back in February, which. I actually printed off. It's about two hundred something pages long, and I printed it you off when would. it first came out. You I was that would. keen to look at it. The, <laughs> oh. the graphs and the stats and the the data that was in there, I was like, "This is going to be a great, great read." Um, but I never got through it. But look, I, I, I think I think there's scope that the game may be getting a little bit of out of out of hand. In pure sense that our, the courses that have been built have been built per people hitting the ball less than what they are now. So they're great for the amateur golfer and that, but when the pros get on there, they are starting to tear some of those courses up. I mean, look at today's round and, and the result there, uh, 22 under, and I think CT Pan won there last year with 12 under. You, you give Abraham answer 21 under there, he takes it every day of the week and thinks that he is good. 
And um, it's not necessarily that they're, they're hitting it further there, but we are seeing like um, lower scores. We are seeing um, pros towel up the courses a bit more and then they're hitting it a long way. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is that it's getting harder for them to maintain the courses to where they want that landing zone to be. If they're going to have to do that, they're going to have to build tee boxes and tee boxes cost money. Golf courses cost money. There's golf courses closing down everywhere. But the thing is that we've got to remember that we're only talking about the absolute 0.01% top players in the world. So it's not yep. everybody. You and I, it doesn't need to change. We're, we're fine with that. Um, but I, I think, you know, whether they, they tighten up the fairways, make them skinnier. Let's see how they play with their accuracy and what they're going to do. Um, someone made a joke about putting water 290 to 340 yards or whatever. Obviously, that's not possible. But I've seen them talk about let's have a tournament where they put uh, a strip of rough and let's put it at the 290 to 340 yards and see what would happen. Um, look, there's, there's, I think there's uh, a need to talk about it. Um, I love watching Driver get absolutely piped by the best of them. Um, yep. But... It, it's. I just don't want to see it get out of control. I don't I want to see. Love, it. I, I equally love watching them go hammer and tong at the driver and miss. You yep. know, Rory on the weekend dropped the f bomb. Um, he obviously wasn't happy, uh, but but he was going for it. He was absolutely going for it, and it was a miss. Um, it still happens. Uh, yep. Slapper, as I mentioned earlier, so Pete Slowinski. So I know, I know Pete Slowinski, and uh, he's a great guy. Loves a loves a good debate. Um, he's posted up during the week in the the group uh, on this debate specifically, and um, he calls out that he's you know flipped and flopped many times on the the topic, um, and, and just putting it out there for for conversation. And we've we're getting comments. Um, Brad Gale says narrow the fairways at 300 yards to 350 so it's risk reward just comes down to mowing deep in the fairway bunkers at those lengths although you know they may become obsolete change t angles so landing areas are smaller um then you've got uh other comments in here chris tui uh nobody at my club hits regularly past 300 meters who cares what the pros are doing? My course doesn't need to be longer because the scientist hits at 350 on TV. Um, and then Kenton Boyd, good golf course design, shaping and use of the landscape is key to controlling distance. The premium is then on shot making. Uh, that is why there are so many great courses in Ireland and Scotland who can charge a premium to play. Um, uh, one last one I'll read out, Mark Aaron. Nope. Don't change anything. Golf course designers can easily create different tees for different levels of skill. Play from whichever tee suits your standard. Hitting it long might seem an advantage, but longer hitting low handicap players have very few handicap shots to play with, so it evens out. Yeah, so, and I think, for, like we said, from the amateur point of view, nothing changes. I don't think anything yep. needs to change there. Um, maybe they stop the restrictions now on where the drivers are at. So those parameters are kind of withheld in what it is. Um, but then you're going to lose a lot of money with all the different um, next steps of drivers and, and, mm -hmm. and clubs and everything else. So uh, look, I don't think anything really needs to change in the amateur scene. It's a very minute amount of people that, that it affects. Um, 
But for the pros, I don't know. Look, I'd, I'd love to see this ball uh, thing where they just have a tour ball and, I, I, you know, just one tournament where they play with it. And let, let's see what comes out just, of it maybe as, as a bit of a trial hit, um, run. Just make them hit range balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, it's... I, I don't know. I think those those guys that can't hit it far as well wouldn't want that to be used as an excuse of why they are now maybe winning when the tour ball comes in and, you know, you've got your Kevin Kisners and you've got well, your guys that can't hampered. drive as long. They're going to be hampered because the, the, the shorter drivers are going to be hampered because of the shorter ball all the same. Uh, or, yeah, or the, exactly. Yeah, smaller, that drive. driver head. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't see... Um, so if we compare it to another sport, say, so um, a totally different sport, uh, swimming, and they banned that all in one suit, you know, because it was shaving milliseconds off swim times. You know, I, I think that's a sport where um, it, it's a, a, an easy decision to make in that sense. Yep. Um, whereas I, I don't see it being a, as easy a decision to make in golf, considering how far manufacturers have gone down the path of introducing improved technology, improved distance, um, the twist face um, yep. Yep. in the in the driver head uh, as well. I yep. thought that was quite a really clever, innovative way to um, A, drive a bit of marketing, but, but B, help some of the, um, some of the lesser skilled um, hit it straighter. Um, and, and enjoy the game. I, I don't think so. oh, have you got a twist face? There you I go. Have a twist face. Uh, <laughs> you have to call me lesser skilled, which I can take. That's fine. It's helped me out. So, <laughs> Kappa. Sorry. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Uh, Kappa. Um, yeah. No. I, I look. Yeah. I think. I think there's. I just think it's. Uh, it's different with golf because you've got that environmental factor of courses and how they're set up, and and you can't really change the setups of them. Besides building tee boxes like that was uh, example of, but it's just going to cost a, a lot of money to do that for for one round a year or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting debate that that will continue for a while, but um, I think when the stats actually looked at it, they're they're, they're not hitting it as far as what everybody I think thinks that they are yes they're getting the odd ball out there a long long way um but i think overall with the the pga stats it's not too much of an increase so let's just uh but like you said when they hit it wide they hit it real wide so and that's fun to Mm. see when you know i remember spieth at the open when he hit it wide and uh was in the in where the uh the the trucks were the uh tightless trucks and everything else and he had to try and take drops off the range and everything like that so you know, yeah. when, when they hit it wide, they hit it real wide. So, anyways, we all like hit, seeing them hit it far. But, yeah, it's a, it's a good debate to have, and I think it'll be around for a while. Yep. No worries. I, I think we're, we're settled on that one for, for now, though. Uh, I, I say keep the game as it is. Uh, and I enjoy watching the pros do what we can't. Yeah, Correct. And then in some stages, do what we can. <laughs> and that's a... A, uh, a, a 150 yard slice to the right. Um, and that happens more frequently for me than it does for them, but all the same, uh, I enjoy that nonetheless. Definitely. All right, that wraps, it, wraps us up for Controversy Corner this week. I hope everyone enjoys that new segment, as did we. Um, so, next week, we've got the PGA tournament heading to the East Coast, the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands. Um, now, 
this place is just a couple of hours drive north of New York. So I'm hoping JT might feel a little bit more comfortable with the uh, uh, restrictions going on around town. Um, Let's. Uh, do you want to? We're going to jump to uh, Mr. Golf Bucks himself and uh, listen to his preview of this week's round. Yeah, let's listen to uh, Mr. Golf Bucks. He's given us a preview for this round of PGA. Good evening, golf punters. David from Golf Bucks here. This week's PGA event is the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands. This is a par 70 course of 6,841 yards with only two par fives. It is a tight tree-lined park-style course. Weather-wise, it can be windy, which makes it a tricky course and has tough finishing holes around the lake's edge. The course's main defence is the wind. Only four holes with water hazard, 69 bunkers and deep rough. Fairways are undulating bent grass with dog legs. Greens are average size, around 5,000 square feet, with perfect slowish bent grass. Key metrics for finding a winner. Greens in regulation is a must. Course plotting and shot making. Accurate bombs can also make a showing here. Course can be very easy if the weather stays calm. Jim Furyk holds a course record here of 58 set in 2016. The players to watch. Rory McIlroy, always a danger, but he's due to put in four, put four rounds together. John Rahm, he's getting angry and will make a showing. Mark Leishman has the goods for this course. Sunjay Im will bounce back from a rare miscut. Ryan Moore is the long shot Smokey who always plays well here. But my tip is Paul Casey. He's the fresh player on the scene. He's got four top fives and a 17th finish from five trips, five tries here. And he fits the bill at around 40 to one. He's my tip. Thanks and good luck. Right, eh? what do we think of Mr. Uh, Mr. Golf Bucks himself? David, thank you for, for that little preview. So any takeaways from uh, what, we're, what we're looking for this weekend? If we're thinking that Green's in reg is going to be a real winner here, Abe answer. Mate, he's, if, he, if he can pull those stats out, I, uh, you, the stats that he had with those Green's in reg, surely that wins 95% of tournaments. We've just gone from from a course that's got the smallest greens on average in size, mm. and mm. he's hit nearly every single one of them mm. um, this weekend or this round uh, in regulation. Uh, that he he is probably going to be one of my tips. I think I'm going to throw him into the into the team. Interesting other note: I, I normally add Sung Im into my uh, into my tipping uh, because he's Mr. Consistent. He hadn't missed a cut for a long time and I left him out this week and he misses a cut. Sorry, Sungjae, that's my fault. I will add you back in this week, buddy. And Massive surprise him missing the cut. That was, that was uh, yeah, big surprise. Um, I, myself, um, I'm sticking true. I'm, I'm going the beefcake again. I, I thought he had a TA. He had a, a you know top 10 this week. It wasn't the worst result mm. from him. Uh, I think it's coming. I think he's about to go on a big run. So I've got him. But I've got to say, I really um, like Mr. Golf Bucks' uh, tip of Paul Casey as well. Um, he's another guy that kind of reminds me of that Webb Simpson style where he's uh, – 
He's pretty straight down the line, nothing too exciting there, but he's got a great record there and uh, he could go close. And 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 my roughie this week is uh, hopefully he's got no crabs this week, but uh, it's 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 Bubba, uh, big bad Bubba Bubba Watson. So I, I love another guy I love watching play. Um, yeah. Some people don't like him, some people do, uh, but just just watching him play and shot shape is there's nothing like it. So and look, hopefully hopefully we get a few Aussies up there this week. You know, Leash is a past winner there, so it would be good to see some uh, more than one Aussie to make the cut. Hopefully. Yep. No, I enjoy that. I like the Ruffy at Bubba. Uh, I do enjoy watching him play as well. Although playing a yellow ball, I'm not sure how much I can like that at the moment. Um, but he's, he's always different, mate. Ball. He's always he's, a bit different, old Bubba. He's got pink, pink driver and uh, and yellow ball. Yep. Um, so yeah, but each of them. He doesn't own. have iron covers. He doesn't have iron covers. <laughs> he doesn't so have iron covers. He's got things going for him. <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, cool. All right, we've had some tips now for this week's round. Um, and I think we're getting excited here. We've got Paul Gow on the live chat this week. And you'll be able to hear it if you're listening to this now. We're going to go to that interview very shortly. Uh, but, yeah, really looking forward to having a chat with uh, with Gowie. Um, we've been talking to Gowie for a little bit, so uh, it's been great to be able to get uh, get him onto the uh, live chats. But Nate, thanks for uh, the time this week. It's been you and I. I've enjoyed this uh, this chat uh, without Matt, but you know we'll welcome him back next week. All the same, probably the best episode so far. To be honest, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm glad you're honest with me, mate. I'm glad you're honest yeah. with me. But. Yeah, that's uh, it. All right, well, that wraps up uh, for another episode. And we are now going to switch you to our interview with Paul Gower. So we're having a, a bit of a live chat with him this week in the group. And we'll add that on to the end of this podcast. So uh, thanks, Nate, for joining us again tonight. Mate, no dramas. Uh, I think it was our best episode yet, just quietly. Don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> certain someone missing this week and we probably enjoyed nah, it. Nah, we missed you, Matt. We want you back. So <laughs> hopefully you're back in next week. Come on, mate. We'll welcome you back, Matt. No worries. We'll welcome you yeah. back. But uh, as promised, we're now going to take you to our interview with Paul Gower. Enjoy, take it easy, and we'll see you next time on the Golf Days Australia podcast. Beefcake, let's go. <laughs> We are live uh, back on uh, Tuesday night, GDA, Golf Days Australia, Tuesday night live. Uh, we've got a special, special one coming up for you guys tonight. So uh, before we do get started, a reminder, if you're, if you're watching and uh, you want to write a comment in at any, any stage, you can. Um, there's a link there in the description that you've just got to go ahead and click and let, uh, let StreamYard, which we're using, um, use your name and your photo and we'll be able to bring that up on our stream. So a reminder, if you've got any comments, go in there, just click approve it. And once you've done it, uh, you will have done it for future for future live videos as well. Okay. And also a reminder that what you're about to hear um, with this live tonight is going to be included in our podcast. So episode three of our podcast should be dropping out tomorrow. Um, so make sure to check that out. And we're going to have Gowie at the end of that podcast uh, today. So all right, let's get into it. Um, we've had some some big interviews so far. We've had, uh, obviously, Greg Chalmers. We've had LinkedIn Ty, Amy Walsh, Terry Pilkadaris. Uh, and now for our special special guest tonight. He's uh, he's had a win on the Australasian tour. 
He's had uh, three wins on the nationwide tour. And for those that don't know, that's now the Corn Ferry, which was the web.com. Um, he's come close to a PGA win that we're going to talk about uh, later on. He's a regular on the Big Sports Breakfast and a co-host of the Fox Sports Golf Show. We've got the one and only Paul Gow. Gowie, thanks for joining us, mate. Welcome, mate. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, thank you. Nothing like getting a washed-up old tour pro, is there? Jeez, that's it. That's the it. Of the barrel. <laughs> that's right. Got his nut somewhere, mate. Yeah. No. <laughs> How, cracking interviews. I mean, you had, yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, had a good week so far. Uh, a game of golf already, and I've got a game of golf on Friday and uh, Thursday, Friday. So <laughs> I have got the best job in the world, I've got to say. You do. I think there's a few of us out there that are pretty jealous of your job. Steve, yeah. you, you wouldn't mind Gowie's job? Ah, oh, mate. Uh, I, well, you do get to hang out with Dada for a bit. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really good guy, actually, but he, 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 he's like all those celebs. They don't listen. Like when I'm trying to give him some tuition about the game, he... he he doesn't listen. Uh, mate, you've got to chip. You've just hit three shanks in a row. This is what you need to do now not to do that. And he didn't, no, 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 I'll do it my way. This is how we do it. And he's yeah. one of the worst chippers you've ever seen, but he won't, he won't listen. So um, I love when he has a shank and it's, <laughs> you can take the piss out of him and he's really good. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> he shanked a bucket low, but uh, I've learned a lot from him actually for TV and stuff. And he's good fun to be around. The whole family, actually, the Dado family, they're all they're golf enthusiasts. And, um, you yeah, know, he's, uh, he's definitely a funny bastard. That's awesome. <laughs> now, Gowie, before we get started, I've got to tell you a bit of a story. We, we, I've met you before, okay? So it's a bit of a story here that I've, got to, that I've got to talk about. It was at the Australian Open. I think it was at Royal Sydney a few years back now, a couple of years ago at Royal Sydney. And um, my mate and I, we go down to the Australian Open every year and we spend a few days down there and, and have a good time in Sydney. And um, the first day we went, we saw that you were working or you were helping out with the, the simulator that they had there. I think it was oh, yep. the Genesis simulator or something that they had going there. And yep. anyways, we see people having a hit. You're doing the nearest to pin comp and we're just like, all right, we've got to have a crack of that. We'll have a crack of that. And it, we the day took a you know turn and all of a sudden we didn't we didn't get to have a go so we come back the next day and we'd been on the source pretty late the night before and um, we thought shit we better we better get this in before too many people rock up uh, on on the Saturday we better we better uh, have a hit and have a crack so anyways we walk up there it's a nice quiet time there's nobody around there's two guys in front of us and uh, I we write our names down and we're we're looking around and we're like shit here we go let's let's have a crack Gal he's going to watch us swing. Um, you know, you start to get a little bit nervous. All of a sudden, before it's my shot, there's 30, 40 people that are lined up watching all this action happen. So there I go. I go stand up there. And you've got you've got just your stock standard clubs, obviously not in my specification. So I've had to, had right. to choose one of the clubs there. And, um, you know, you get the shakes, you start getting sweaty, plus the hangover sweats are happening as well. And um, I just remember thinking, just make contact with the ball, make contact with the ball. And as I stood over it, I blacked out. I just, I just think I blacked out. I just remember <laughs> take, I take, I took the club back and I've hit it and I've absolutely shanked the shit out of this ball in front of you. And you've just oh. given it to me. You've given it to me in front of everybody and give me a spray, which I deserve. Oh. But the worst thing was I'm about sorry. this comp is that you have two shots. So I had to go again. Yes. And so oh. I, was, I was really, I'm even more worried now. Everyone's seen it. My mate Joshy's uh, having a laugh. 
before he then realised he's had to go next. And um, I've, I've had the next swing, and I've actually made one of the best shots in my life. And I think I hit it to five, six feet. I was in the top five for the day. Oh, right. And you were just like, oh, well, that was better than your first one. That's all I got out of you. And I was like, right. I've just hit, I've just hit one of the best, the best shots I've had. But I've asked for that. That's fair enough. But the worst thing is, hey, that what's Josh, the good thing? Is you... Okay. So, sorry, the best thing is you might have had a shank, but at least you hang on to the club. A couple of people that particular week let go of the club and it flew into the screen. <laughs> that, well, that was going to be one And then uh, my mate Joshy, he goes after me and he hits two shots. One of them flew the green, the other one hit the green. But you said to him, you've got a really good swing, mate. And he, every single time we play together, he reminds me <laughs> that Gowie <laughs> thinks I've got a better swing than you do every time we play. So... You're, uh, you've you've stitched me up on that day, and I stitched myself up, but I've, I've got to live with that now. So Josh is happy. I'll have to agree with you, Nate. Sorry. Yeah, Josh, Josh you've seen Josh's swing. He does have a better swing than right. me. Um, well, I, don't, anyways, I don't make Joshy... those type of comments if, if they're not good. So Josh has obviously got a good golf swing. Oh, don't. Oh, now you've said that as well. He's just like, he messaged me today and he goes, if you don't tell the shank story, I'll be very upset. So I was like, all right, I'll get it out nice and early. Um, yeah, anyways, Indigawi's career. So, um, Steve, I mentioned talk about his junior career. Yeah, so um, born in Sydney, um, yep. junior career. Who, mm. who got you into golf in the first place? Yeah, um, mum and dad, actually. Actually, we were from a place called Coonabarabra, and I'm one of six kids. So I took mum and dad six goes before they got something decent. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's what I tell my siblings anyway. But, uh, yeah. That your mum and dad, it was pretty, pretty big effort actually. They threw us all in the back of the Valiant from uh, uh Barber and headed to the city because they said there was no future for us there. And mum and dad both played golf in Coonabarabra on sand greens, and my grandfather did. And and we got to Sydney, and I, I sort of played other sports. Mum and dad threw us all into I got four sisters and a brother, we all played as many sports as we could and played soccer, love rugby league, that's my sport, follow it closely. Um, and you know, I, I, I tried them all, but when I was, t- uh, I think I was 11, dad said, we can't afford for you to play both sports. So which sport would you like to play? I said, which one's going to make me money? And he sort of <laughs> threw a coin up in the air and he's thinking, you little idiot. Like, seriously, you're fat, short, you've got no ability, uh, golf. And he just threw golf out there and, and that was probably it. And as we all know, it's a great game and you hit that one good shot and you fall in love with it. And I, um, you know, I had a couple of good ones when I was 10 or so and thought, oh, geez, that's uh, that's for me. I tried the other sports. I played rugby league, got belted the first time, walked off the uh, off the ground, said never for me again. So no body contact sports. So golf was it. And <laughs> far out, what a great sport. I, I miss it every day that I don't play it. It's it's such a great sport. And as a kid, there's, there's so many people you meet and places you go. I grew up at Cumberland Golf Course in Sydney. Uh, it's just a... Uh, working men's golf course, a bunch of great people. But you learn so many things. You're thrown in at, um, I think I was 13 years of age when I become a member, but dad and mum would just throw me in with members and you'd get some of the grumpy old bastards, but you'd get some of the really good people to play with. And it was a life lesson, I reckon, that uh, it's, it's a way to grow up really quick. There's so many good stereotypes when you get thrown in at that that age to members. Uh, you you pick out so many of the stereotypes uh, as as you're growing up, but you do learn a lot, I suppose. Um, yeah, a lot of etiquette, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun to get into as a junior. But um, where where did it go to from there for you? 
Yeah, well, it just uh, the love of it. I, I'd come home from school. I wasn't very good at school. I'd come home and I'd make a triple decker Vegemite sandwich and get a bunch of golf balls and head back over to my school, which was just across the creek, and just hit balls until dark. And it was quite funny. When I was in, oh, year, I don't know, year five or six or no, no, was well, sorry, that's wrong. Year eight, my uh, my father was called up to the school and said, "We think your son's on drugs." You know, he's, uh, he's not, doesn't pay attention at school. He draws and we don't know what he draws, but, you know, it, there's something wrong with him. Uh, do you know what he does after school? And he says, I know exactly what he does after school. He hits balls until it's dark and we've actually got to go get him to come home because there's so many, you know, on a football field or two football fields, you know, I made so many Augustas out of those golf, out of those, yeah, you know, yeah. two football fields. It was a joke. And um, I like my own company. Um, that's one thing you've got to, do if you want to be a professional golfer someday and I loved that it was just great fun um bashing balls and then you got into the competition the Jack Newton events and then you know the state events and and playing schoolboy events mum would run me around you know to all the shell schoolboys around Sydney and then you go up into the bush and, and play like orange and places like that and you know so many friendships made from that and and the competition component it, it you know from the age of about 13 or 14 started to really go and probably I think it was about 14 when I I um, started to get a lot better. And, you know, I think I was 15, I was off scratch. And then I knew I was okay and started to contend in the club championships and um, mm. all that sort of stuff. But it was pretty good for me. I, I knew from the age of 12 what I wanted to be. It was, yeah. you know, the teachers would ask what you want to be. I said, oh, I'm a professional golfer. And they go, really? I said, yeah, like Greg Norman. Oh, that'd be cool. And they'd all just go, yeah, right, son. Yeah, yeah. good luck with that. So, yeah. Uh, two years later, when I won the Kennan Challenge here, one of the teachers that said I'd be no good, he was actually there watching me. And um, he, he had a really pissed off look on his face. Said, no way this guy can win. But um, it was, oh, man, those junior days. I, I think about pennants. Uh, I love playing pennants. Um, the chook run on a Friday afternoon with mum and dad and, and the blokes. Um, they, they were the fun times. And, and just some people, you, you, you know, young guys, you and girls that you met over the years and playing in those team events because the older you get and the more professional you get, you don't get to play in those team games anymore. That's why you see the Ryder Cup and the, the President's Cup and those the Solheim Cup, why the guys and girls are so passionate about it because we don't get to play them anymore. You, mm -hmm. you, you, know, you just go and play tournaments all the time and some, you don't get that team you know, atmosphere. So it's... Uh, um, yeah, it was it was it was definitely fun. I, I remember so much. I can't remember what happened yesterday, but I can remember, you know, where I played and when I played, what golf courses I played. I actually went back and played Bondi Golf Club about three weeks ago because I hadn't played there for thirty five years. And <laughs> tell you what, the memories that flooded back a couple of the golf clubs that I threw over the cliff into the water, uh, that <laughs> that come flooding back. It's like oh shit, there's one down there. So, uh, yeah, junior golf is fantastic and, and we just need more kids to play these days, I reckon. Definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think we're, we're trying to do something uh, from a junior perspective at our uh, golf day coming up and see if we can um, do a bit of a scholarship or pay for their member fees uh, for, for the year coming right. as, a, as a way of paying back while we're, we're going out to um, uh, down to the Murray. But um, yep. turning ahead now uh, towards... 93 turning pro um what what was that decision like for you was it always just a natural thing that was going to happen or did you have to get to a point and go all right well i, I need to go all in now 
Yeah, good question. I was a bit different. I grew up at the time of Robert Allenby, Stuart Appleby, those type of guys. They turned Lucas Parsons. Uh, they turned pro when they were like 18, 19 years of age. And I, I just wasn't mature enough. And I wasn't good enough, number one. Because um, I always had the idea, I'm going to do all the partying and all the, um, the drinking and all that sort of stuff prior to turning pro. So I got that out of my system. Nice. Um, that was, yeah, so... It was just a thought I had in my head, like when I was about 15 <laughs> or 16. And um, so I didn't turn pro until I was like 23 or 24, um, purely because of that. And when it was time to be professional, that was time to be professional. So that in 93, um, you know, that was time to go. And, and that's where I met, you know, Rod Pampling was actually at tour school at Spring Valley. And, you know, I had my first experience um, of pressure, like real pressure. I played uh, for New South Wales, um, you know, in the, interstate series all that sort of stuff and won plenty of amateur events but never really been under pressure because you're playing for a toaster right it's not like you're playing for your <laughs> livelihood you're, yeah. you're playing for mum to get another toaster or something like that so i went to uh, spring valley and um i absolutely shit myself it was like day one um i couldn't take the club back it was so nervous i shot 75 i think and broke a putter on the third hole I had to putt out with my three wood uh, for the rest of the day, that's so immature, but I was so angry. Uh, but I met Rod Pampling um, that particular week and, and we hung out and we're sort of like, you know, sort of consoling each other on each other's rounds. And um, with nine holes to go, I needed to shoot two under the back nine um, to make it through. Because back in that day, uh, when they'd only just got electricity, they um, there was a set number you had to get to. And uh, so I, I knew what the set number was. And with nine holes to go, I sort of had to punch myself in the head and say, come on, mate, this is you. If you're going to be a professional golfer, um, this is the time to stand up. And I shot through under that nine at Spring Valley and, and got a tour card. And um, that, that, yeah, that was the biggest pressure time I've ever had in my life was the first time out because you, you don't make it the first time. You sort of, you sort of half think you're a failure and you're, you're searching mm. for things. So um, that was a pretty big time, but I, I went on successfully and missed uh, seven cuts in a row when I turned <laughs> Bro, so um, I can tell you at the seventh one, I was like, oh, I've had a gut full and um, I'm out. All the money that I'd earned carrying gyp rock and labouring had gone. I, had, I didn't have sponsors, um, just did it by myself. And because um, I was just an okay player, it was just just okay. But um, yeah, after seven events, um, I was ready to pack it in because I was spending all my cash and couldn't make a dollar. And, um, you know, it's one of those sports or jobs that's so different. You work for five days and outlay money, but don't get paid on day six <laughs> or seven. So, um, and a lot of my Saturday, Sunday clothes never got used because I never made it to them. You know, I had them all ready to go, but the bastards never got used. So, but on the um, the seventh, a uh, mate of mine introduced me to a guy called Gary Edwin. And uh, there was a week off before the last event of the year. And I met Gary and uh, he made me stand there with my feet together and hit some shots and said, go and play with this son. And next week I made the cut in the New Zealand uh open and made two thousand two hundred and forty two dollars which felt like it was four million dollars and mm, um <laughs> then the, the, then it was then it was great after that i you know i, I was now a fully fledged golf professional because actually got paid a check that's the money <laughs> so how, how did uh how did we break the the putter on the third hole oh just over my neck yeah yeah just around the back of the neck okay that's the, that's the preferred and... way was it yep Oh, oh no, over times. the knee normally, but yeah, um, okay. <laughs> I just had it there and it 
yes. Then I was off trying to get it fixed the next, you know, that afternoon to, um, oh, cause I had a bad temper when I played golf. I was so fiery. It was ridiculous. Um, you see me outside the golf course. I was never, I was already cool, calm and collected, you know, nothing's a hassle, but as soon as I'd walk into that arena, I just turn into something different. And, uh, I guess it was the, you know, the competition, but I love the competition piece. And, and I miss that bit every day, actually. It's, it's, it's something that gets you out of bed of a daytime. So I guess uh, Terry Pilkadaris uh, was pretty smart when instead he just launched his putter 100 metres into the tree. <laughs> instead of snapping it, he threw it really far and then got to get it back and use it again. So yeah, he's smarter than we smart. think, old Terry. Yeah. yeah I, um, I have had three clubs up a tree and, and uh, I had to go back to that night uh on the on get the nike out. tour it was called then to get them out because i didn't want the tour officials to see me but i, I had three up the tree and then thought i might throw the umbrella up there but it come back and the three clubs i needed but i successfully played the last five holes without those three clubs and made the cut so hmm. there you go didn't yeah. need them at all anyway didn't need them, yeah. <laughs> didn't need them. just just made life easier for the caddy that's all yeah that's right which was uh, my wife oh <laughs> okay so i'm not even gonna get, go there get yeah. So uh, nationwide, uh, we go over to the nationwide, which is now the Corn Ferry. How, how did we get the starts in the nationwide? What was the process back then to, to qualify for that tour? Yeah, it was really simple. Um, you just Monday qualify with 300 other guys for 14 spots. And um, <laughs> truth of the story is that Pamps and I in um, 96, I said, mate, let's, let's, go somewhere else. We've got to get overseas. How about America? And he said, oh, everyone's advised us to, you know, go to Europe and, and, and hone our games. I said, well, I want to finish in the US, so I'm going to go there. And he goes, well, I'll go there too. So uh, we saved our money, got a bit of, little bit of backing and off we went just to go test it. And we went yep. to um, Wichita, Kansas and uh, where was the other one? Odessa, Texas. And um, so we tried it that year. Um, it was an eye opener. I've got to say, I, you know, um, we both went to the qualifier. I happened to get into the one in um, in Odessa, Texas, and um, I uh, went to the range and I couldn't believe it. There was all these trucks and there's all this gear, and I went into the locker room after I registered, and my name's on the locker, and yeah, I opened the locker, and there's four dozen golf balls in there, some tightless hats, um, some gloves, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh I think they've put this all in the wrong locker. And I turn around the the the, the Titleist reps there, and his name was Barry, and and um, I said, "Oh, hi, mate. Um, I'm from Australia." I said, "I see you put some balls in my locker." I said, "I don't need this many golf balls." I said, "How bad do you think I am? Four dozen <laughs> for a week? Seriously?" Because on tour here, we we'd get a dozen, and we thought yeah. we were kings getting a dozen yeah. golf balls. So. Um, he laughed. He said, I've been doing this job for 25 years. No one's ever given me golf balls back. And uh, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was hilarious, but I went out in the range and um, um, I couldn't believe all the, all, all the golf gear out there. I was using PGF and uh, so was pants at the time. Yep. Um, and um, this guy from Callaway come up to me and said, uh, would you, you know, you're a Monday qualifier. Would you like to use one of our drivers? And, it was a Callaway Big Bertha. It was this huge looking thing. And I went, oh, mm, thanks, but no, thanks. I can't afford it. And because I, I didn't have money to buy one of that. They were $1,100 back in Australia back in 1996. Wow. And um, he said, do you want to try it? And I went, oh, okay. So I got a caddy off. We went. I drove this this driver. It was ridiculous how good it was. And um, 
I come back onto the practice fairway to give him the club back because I'm adding up my head. I said, I'd love to have it, but I can't afford this. You know, we're going to get to the next week. And uh, he uh, he said, how do you like the driver? I said, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I loved it. He, he said, well, do you want to use it? I said, well, sorry, I, I, I sort of can't afford it. And he goes, no, 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 I'll, I'll give it to you and I'll give you $200. And I said, you fucking what? You give me the driver and $200 before I play? And he goes, yeah, and he started laughing. And um, he said, do you need anything else? I said, where's your bag? And um, like we went over there, we got a three wood and a five wood. And I couldn't wait to, you know, that night I ring my dad back in Sydney. I said, dad, you're not going to believe this shit. I said, there's gear. I'm only a Monday qualifier. There's gear just falling out of the sky for me. I got a pair of shoes. I, I Nike gave me some shoes and um, it was fantastic. So that was that year. And then the following year, Pamps and I had decided that, yeah, let's go over there. So we rented a car and, and off we went. And um, I did something like um, 20, 21 Monday qualifiers in a row. Uh, Pamps only lasted about two months. Um, yeah. Shane Tate come over for a few bit. But I, I just kept toughing it out and going, I'm not grind going it, home. I was over there yep. for five or six there, just grind it out. I was going through you know, travel buddies. Uh, Anthony Painter was the last one to come over. And we're in a place called Odessa, Texas. And I was a Monday qualifier. Um, and then uh, they had some alternates, you know, on this number. So they said, come back to the golf course the next morning. So I went back to the golf course the next morning. And, um, you know, sure enough, I was 19th or 20th alternate or something. And they said, uh, Paul Gow uh, on the tee. So I, I grabbed a caddy and off we went at the tee. I, I fatted my drive off the tee. Um, I had these two seasoned campaigners. One guy I think had played on the US Tour, Joey Choi at that time. Um, I fatted a, a driver off the tee. I fatted a five iron in the front bunker. This is a driver wedge hole, by the way. And then fatted my bunker shot out, two-putted, and went on to have 25 birdies and win the tournament. So oh. that's how it all started. From that week that I was just uh, – I was an alternate and in a place um, – Odessa, Texas, and and I go ahead and win, and somehow that changed everything. It changed uh, your belief in the game. It changed you know my whole course on, on what I was going to do. All of a sudden, I was just a decent player, but now I was a good player. So, what year was that? What year is the the first year? Ninety uh, seven. Yep, ninety seven. So ninety seven's when you have your, your your win in Texas. So that's yep. the, what was that? The Nike Permian Basin Open. That's it. <laughs> yep. Yep, I've still got the trophy here somewhere. It's actually, yep. I've got it here. Oh, but now, what, how do you pronounce Steve's last name that you beat by two? Steve Lamont. Oh, yeah, Lamontaine. So he um, he was pretty, yeah, he was a decent player. Um, yeah. It's a true story to, to, to Steve. He was terribly upset that uh, for the first two days that he had to play with a, um, uh, like a chopper like me, like a guy with a, you know, a funny accent. And I had this big African-American guy caddy for me he was the only guy standing near the putting green where i was standing um herman and i i said mate do you caddy he says yes sir i sure do i said well grab the bag let's go we're on the tee and he picks it up and we're running the tee and i turn around and herman's got the clubs on his back but they're like bows and arrows he's got them on the wrong way this way it's like he's going to pull the clubs out over this way big dude and um we go to the tee, and when I looked at it, I thought, oh, we're in trouble. And I can see these two guys on the tee looking at me going, this this is not going to be good. This guy can't play. What, what's he doing here? And Joey Choi was nice, but this Steve LaMontagne, he was um, and wasn't the runner. 
he wasn't very nice at all. And on the fourth hole, I'd worked out now that Herman had never caddied in before. He um, Herman had lost his job at the the mill and had just come down to the golf tournament to take a look. So next thing he's on the golf course, has no idea about golf. And I worked this out, but on the fourth hole, um, the the pin is sitting on the side of the green. I said to Herman, I said, mate, can you just pick that up? I turned my back to him. Steve's got about a six footer. And I turned my back to the thing and I'm just doing a little practice putts because I've got about a four footer for par. And I turn around and Steve's yelling at Herman. Herman's gone and put the pin in while he's taking the putter back. So <laughs> he thought I was meaning to put the, the pin in. Well, Steve's going off. He's going off the caddy. He's going off at me. He's calling rules officials. And then I shoot 65 on Saturday. We're paired on Sunday uh, in the second last group. I hear him in the locker room on Sunday morning. <laughs> You know, this Aussie, you know, who does he think he is? He's a Monday qualifier. His caddy's no good. And then I just wiped him. I had 65 again, 65, 65 on Sunday. Herman and I won the tournament, won $36,000. I gave 3600 bucks to Herman and away he went. <laughs> have, so you ever, have you ever caught up with Herman since? Oh, I have a couple of times. I sent him, um, he had nine kids. So um, wow. after that, Nike sponsored me. I've been with Nike 23 years and I had an allotment of um, gear and I'd send uh, Herman and the family a bunch of shoes every year just to um, keep them going. So uh, he was awesome. I've seen him the other years that I did go back on the on the Nike tour there. I, he did come out a couple of times. He never caddied again. That was his one and only. Um, but he was the legend in town that, you know, he was the gun caddy. But uh, it was it was fun because he, he he knew nothing about the game, so it actually kept me occupied by yeah, telling yeah. him to stand over there, don't do this, don't. <laughs> yeah. so I didn't get angry You're the whole week. Him, babysitting him the whole week. The whole <laughs> week. Um, and, you know, I had Anthony Painter there, and he kept me cool on the Sunday night, all the, oh, the Saturday night. All of a sudden, I, I thought, geez, I think I can win this tournament. I played that good um, that maybe I could win this. And he... He was because he'd been around the ropes. He'd he'd, he'd won in Asia. He'd won uh, the Coolum Classic, and he said, "Well, mate, just take it. You know, everybody puts their pants on the same way. You've just got to do everything you're currently doing." We went and had the worst Chinese meal of all time. I thought I was gonna I was gonna get food poisoning, and that'd be my chance. But you know, in the right place at the right time. So that was the start of it. That was it. That's brilliant. <laughs> and then we got what the next win in 2000, um, three under, the win by one uh, against who was it? Paul Claxton in Pennsylvania. Yeah, at the uh, that was Buy. the com Hershey Open. Hershey Open, and I got beaten in the playoff. The Hershey, I love Hershey's. That's where they make the Hershey cho- chocolate bar. Oh, okay. Well, I have got sense. the big um, the the. I've got a massive big uh, trophy for that one. We had to get it back here. And they gave us a two kilo block of chocolate. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> you don't yeah, feel I, I beat... <laughs> no, no, no. We... Yeah, yeah. My, I, I could destroy it. I eat chocolate every night, so I could destroy it these days. Back, back then, I didn't destroy it. But, um, uh, yeah, that was that was one of the better golf courses on that tour. And, and the thing is, from 97 through that time, um, you know, I had a full card on the on the – um, Nike tour, the Botacom, sorry. Um, so I thought I, everything was off and here I was going to the US tour someday, but golf is such a leveler. It was ridiculous. Like I got a little bit comfortable. Uh, I put on a lot of weight. I was weighing it at 95 kilos plus at the time. And I was just loving life over there. My wife would come and caddy for me. 
and we were just having a good time. And and you know, two thousand it come about that you know I started. I had to had to change my ways, which I did. So at the end of ninety nine, I come back a bit heavy, and we changed up everything. I lost twenty five kilos, um, and my wife was coming back to caddy, and I said, if I make fifty thousand dollars in the first, um, she'd been caddying for three years. If I make fifty thousand in the first month, uh, you can you can retire off the bag and um uh which which happened i made fifty thousand and ninety dollars and she could retire so it was good but it was great fun having her on the bag and tell us about that that win uh, i think my headphones are gone are they there can you hear us see see he hasn't done this much with before, that. the no, media. It's me? his first time in media, everybody. So we're just going to have to uh, bear with Gowie <laughs> no. as he, as he works going. through his media. We can... <laughs> no, I'll plug you in. We can hear you, Gowie. We just can't... Uh, you can't hear us. You're all right. <laughs> can't plug you in. Bloody hell. <laughs> oh, you can't plug you in. <laughs> no we're going to do some, some sign language to you, Gowie. <laughs> oh, you're back. I don't know hey. what happened there. You're back. Oh, you we, we know it's your first time doing these things, so. <laughs> well, actually, don't do podcasts, believe it or not. You've got me at a rare time. Somebody, I there did a go. 19 whole podcast, and um, this is only my second ever podcast, to be honest with you. That's all good. <laughs> all good. A couple of technical issues. Alone. We all have them. We all have them. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but yeah. That's, I think uh, so 2000, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the win. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. I, I was on. I was doing all the right things then. Everything had turned, and and I wanted to be on the on the PGA Tour. I had some mates that were already playing on that tour, so um, that year was awesome. It's the best I've ever played, actually, two thousand. And um, my wife did retire off the bag, and then I got. Uh, I was searching for caddies actually, and come up with a guy. Um, we're in Wichita, Kansas again, and I was playing with Anthony Painter, Rod Pampling, and Michael Long, and I'd been through about four or five caddies after my wife and um you know they've got a caddy hut there all the time and everyone i'd go they, they just weren't that good there was this young kid when i'm walking through the the car park and he said um hey sir are you after a caddy i'd love to caddy and i said if you don't call me sir ever again grab the bag <laughs> and i'll meet you on the first tee and um off we went to the first tee and paints and i and everybody was taking the piss out of him um through the 18 hole practice round and he could take it and I said, do you want to caddy this week? He said, yeah. Uh, I ran third that week, um, choked because I was leading with a few to go. And I said, mate, do you want to come next week? And he did. Um, and he's, uh, little did he tell me at that time that he's he was from uh, Tennessee and uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. And he was, a, he was studying to be a law student. And I said, do you want to come on tour with me? He goes, yep. Uh, but his parents weren't too happy about that, that he come with me. But we actually got our tour card. He caddied for me for three years. I passed him on to John Sendon after that. He's now on Daniel Berger's bag, who won last week. He's been on Billy Horschel's bag. So yeah. he's had about four or five wins. So his dad's pretty happy now that he come and become a caddy. He's been, his dad's been to the Masters five or six times. He's been to the yeah. US Open. So um, he's Josh Castle. So it was great to see him on TV last week with, with Berger winning because he was just a this little freckly-faced kid standing in the car park at uh, Wichita, Kansas, and he, he jumped, jumped on a Aussie's bag, and next thing he's on the US tour for the rest of his life. 
<laughs> on the on the caddy front, we've got a question come through, and I know you can't really see the names just on our screen at the moment, but yep. Mick Lamaro, he's a he's a Central Coast local from Shelley Beach, um, a, a bit of Snake Charmer's uh, home ground there. Uh, how good was David Nelson as your caddy? Yeah, one of the best actually, and the only reason he got the job because he's a Parramatta supporter, and. Um, uh, that's the only reason he got the uh, the job. No, he was really good. Very thorough. What he uh... Eagles head cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh right, that's all right. Yeah, we got you. We covered you this year. Um, but they um, uh, he 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 was a great caddy. Actually, we stay in touch. We speak once a week. He's back here in Australia now. But uh, he caddy he went on to caddy for a lot of good players. Uh, it was Andre Stultz's brother in law, and he could play the game himself. And that was that was good. Yep. Caddying's not just about um, giving you the right numbers because quite often um, I'd give myself the bad numbers, but Dave would give me some bad numbers too. But it was everything away from that. So someone like me who was really fiery in the golf course, I needed somebody to take the attention away from the golf, a bit like Herman did back in Odessa, Texas. And Dave was Dave was really good at that. He uh, he would take my attention away from um, from that all the time. So uh, you know, a caddy is is such an important job and. Um, I think they're underpaid and, and, and you know, the players, well, not all players, but some players never treated caddies that well. I love Robert Allenby. Is that a, or a Matt Kuchar. Or Matt Kuchar, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if he didn't treat him well, Matt Kuchar. Matt Kuchar's a really good guy. I reckon that was just a I bad decision on, on his, um, decision, on his yeah. but yeah, just, just wrong. He was coming down here to play the Australian Open the following week and, um, you know, well, actually, I was there at Christmas time at that golf course where where that happened, and uh, um, that guy's now a legend. That that caddy he is, is a now a legend. Yeah. Oh, in the town, it's amazing. We turned yeah, up. I yeah. uh, went to commentate for the uh, Latin American Amateur Championships there in January, and this guy's like, you know, he's the head of the float. He's the he's the he's the ducks nuts. So um, Cooch has given him a bit, but I I think that was just it was badly handled by probably Matt um, trying to get his way out there, and badly handled by his management group. You know, it's pretty easy just to you know give you 10 percent or whatever it is and and, and move I think, on i think l toucan is doing okay at the moment uh he's mm. had he his name he's, yeah, yeah that, he's doing okay correct now. yeah <laughs> but yeah dave nielsen was a very very good caddy i wouldn't want to say anything less than that because he'd built the crap out of me <laughs> yeah if you can match up with andre stoltz i'm sure he probably would <laughs> <laughs> uh so 2006, we got the Athens Regional Foundation Classic. Um, yeah, what was it? 21 under, three strokes in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, that was a surprise because I was I was playing awful. And um, 2006, I, I um, you know I just thought that that was just about it. I, my game was going. I'd left Gary Edwin, my coach. Um, I was just trying to get better. I was trying to find ways because the the game was changing right in front of my face. Um, I was a decent driver of the ball, like lengthwise when I first got on tour. I think it was like top 50 in driving distance. But by 2006, I, you know, and and on tour, you know, I was at at 186, and I, I couldn't work it out because there's only 144 in the field. It was it was awful. You know, the the guys on the reserve bench were hitting it past me. So um, it's uh, it, it was kind of strange. So I was I was in the midst of trying to change a few things here and there, and, and that week just popped out. I started playing well and. Um, you know, I had a bunch of birdies and it was, it was a really good feeling. So, um, but how silly is this? I had Stephen Allen, we were rooming together at the time. Um, Dave Nielsen, um, who was caddying 
and a couple others, and uh, we're, we're playing in South Carolina, another area up there, probably a four-hour drive away. And I said to the guys, after the after winning, instead of staying in Athens, which is a college town of about forty thousand, you know, young people and bars like the best bars you've ever seen stay there to celebrate i said let's get in the car we'll drive for two or three hours get close to the golf course we'll find a really good bar and get on it my shout yeah we'll have a great time so we drive that three hours and the caddies are they're they're, they're wanting a beer and i'm wanting a bourbon i can't wait and we check into a hotel we go to this bar and it's a dry county they don't serve alcohol on a sunday what a dickhead. Like, so you've truly, left the you... uni town, the Georgia Bulldogs uni town to go to a dry county to celebrate. Yep. How <laughs> stupid is that? What so, did you do? In the car, you go somewhere else? It would else? have been devastating. No, we didn't. We had some food and went to bed oh. and it was just awful. So <laughs> that was the celebration of my um, my last win. Your last your so, last win. So, yeah, that, that, yep. we, we skipped a few years there um, to, to jump to that last win. But... If we go back, a lot happened um, in between those years. So jumping to your Australasian win, the Cannon Challenge at Castle Hill, that was, I think. And um, yep. I, I, I've got to correct, I've got to work out with Dad, but it, that was either, it was either that year or 2001 that was the first ever golf event that I went to. Dad, I wasn't big into golf back then. I'd have a couple of hits with him, but he brought me along to Castle Hill Golf Course and we watched it. And I remember seeing Aaron Badley hit an absolute, duff off the tee he just absolutely <laughs> it just rolled 50 meters in the left into the trees and i think that opened my eyes up actually because i was like I, i've done that before and he's playing yeah. in this kind of environment so i fell in love with the game pretty instantly when i saw that but <laughs> you you um you had a great a great win there in 2000 yeah it was fun because it's um I, I played penance there uh for castle who i grew up um you know, at Cumberland, but went over to play A-grade pennants over there. They all they had three grades back then and just for a bit better competition. Um, a lot of opportunities there. And, and I live like two minutes from there, actually. I don't go up there a lot, but I, I um, it was all my hometown. You know, people I went to school with, um, you, you name it, there was thousands there. And it was, uh, you know, it was just an awesome feeling. It's one of those weeks that you know, it's just going your way. I hit some shots that went my way. And, and after looking at the tapes later, um, you know, Peter O'Malley should have won that golf tournament by 10, but he, he missed everything from a foot in. So um, oh, yeah. it was uh, it was amazing, you know, playing with Pom, you know, how well he played. But, yeah, you know, he could just miss these putts that just, you know, were kick-ins. And, and when you look yeah. back through it, you know, uh, he, he sort of helped me uh, to my first Australian victory. And it was uh, – I thanked him since and – probably send him a bottle of wine here or there for that but uh, it was nothing like winning it was it was actually a, a strange one because I said to my wife um, I said I'm not going to drink beer or eat chocolate chip cookies until I win a golf tournament so um, that was that was the change in 2000 and how I lost 25 kilos is I stopped those two things two the two things I like the most beer and chocolate chip cookies so when I finished she bought me a beer as I'm walking up to the scorer's hut and keep in mind, I hadn't touched, you know, a beer in yeah. 14 months. No alcohol in 14 months. Yeah. And I take it. This beer and looks great. would take, have rocked you. Oh, I took a swig of it. And next thing I'm nearly throwing up before I saw my card. And, <laughs> and um, never drink beer again. I've, it, wow. it just lost the taste of beer. So I just drink copious amounts of bourbon. And um, <laughs> pretty pretty good at that. But uh, 
um yeah that that i had the cookie and i haven't stopped but uh yeah that was that was that time it was you know it was good fun and that that got me back on tour that got me back to being yep. well got me to the u.s tour and then you know then it was you know now i'm going to play with the big boys and it's always a dream to get to the you know the pga tour and um you know not everybody gets there it's and you know i happen to spend five years out there and was I the best player out there? No. Was I part of the circus? Yes. Um, did I enjoy it? It was magnificent. It's it's everything you see on the on the TV. They're they're, they're treated like um, absolute superstars out there. And you don't have to be a superstar. You you walk into the locker room there, and the locker room attendant knows your name, even if you're a nobody. And um, you know it was it was great fun. And at that time, we had around about twenty guys Australians on the tour, from Lonard to Allenby, Appleby, mm. uh, Elkington. Mm. Uh, Finchy, you know, all those guys were on tour still, and uh, even the Shark was still playing some events back then. And it was, it was quite amazing that we had, I think it was 23 um, players, Australians, on that tour uh, back then. And so it was, it was wow. a great place to, 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 to be. I hung out with Lonard, and uh, well, when he eventually got there, and obviously Pamps and Chalmers, and um, yeah, it was, geez, it was good fun. Yeah, it, it, looking at the Cannon Challenge as well, like uh, it's a shame that that's a, another tournament that Australia doesn't have still running. I guess it um, is that 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 was a good feeder tournament. That was a good tournament. Um, you know, a lot of the best players played it. Peter Senior won it. Michael Campbell, major champions, won it. Um, Rod Pampling won it. He won it yep. before me. That yep. was a good reason for me to win it. Now uh, to beat a Queenslander, uh, that was even better. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, and it is a pity. Um, you know, Kenan it was a big supporter of of the tour back then, and um, you know, a lot of those events have, have come and gone, and you know, a bit like the Australian Masters. You know, yeah, when you're yeah. a kid and you get to play that for the first time, you go, you got to Huntingdale. I remember hitting my first putt on the putting green and putting it off the green. The greens were that quick. I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna have what so many hits this week. What am I in for? And it was. Uh, it was good fun, actually. My first year at the Australian Masters, I played with this little left-handed, googly-eyed, yeah, glasses nerd um, in the first two rounds, and his name was Mike Weir. Mike Weir, yeah, right. and wait, what a lovely fella! He's he's one yep. of the nicest guys, and never forgets you. And um, but I played with him for a couple of days, and a guy who was caddying for me is um, ex rugby league player called Johnny Gibbs, and Gibbsy oh, yeah. said, um, yeah, yeah Gibbsy said. Uh, I don't know if this guy will be much of a player. So when he won the Masters, I said, you, "What do you reckon now?" So yeah, what? I said, "We we uh, you know we should be packing shelves compared to this guy. He was uh, he was the ultimate." Now on the uh, on the Cannon Challenge, the following year, um, you didn't you didn't take it out, but you you shot a sixty the opening round. I, I'm not sure if it's still a record. It might be. Is it still an Australasian record? The sixty? It certainly is, and it's. Um, uh ernie earls i don't know if you've heard of him he um he shot no, 60 but pro- probably ran a bit more difficult golf course than castle hill he did that around royal melbourne and oh. um shot 60 so yeah it is a tor- still a tournament record i believe um yeah, yeah I, and- I think i read something that it was a tournament record and and the thing uh you had a putt on the 18th for birdie for a 59 and apparently uh a phone rang and now back it must have been a nokia 5110 it must have had the long <laughs> aerial back then but um, you remember that? The, it... Yeah, it was 16 foot downhill right to left. Um, it was absolutely running down my leg. I was shitting myself and <laughs> thank God the phone went off. Um, but it was quite funny. The next day um, in the papers, the back page was uh, 
The weather's phone went off in the in the backswing of Paul Gow um, at the Kennan Challenge. It's impeded history. It was the first time we would first time we would have seen uh, 59. I think Mike Harwood had shot 61. There was a couple of 61s out there. Um, they've impeded history. And um, uh, the truth of the uh, the matter is that the actual phone that went off was the uh, the greenkeepers there. He had one of the you know the the phones oh, that you know right. ring on the on the machines, and it was his yep. wife ringing him to tell him that um, Gowie was just about to shoot fifty nine around his golf course. So, um, great phone call to get. Uh, but he's a good black. He's a great fellow. The greenkeeper well, was the greenkeeper up there for twenty odd years, but uh, I'm sure he. Yeah, but it took him a few weeks before he owned up to that. That's for sure. But uh, um, so yeah. when you're heading was, towards the fifty nine, are you on fifty nine watch? Are you, are you well aware of of that? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, you know, when I turn the because we played the back nine first, I'm playing with Aaron Badley and um, who shot sixty seven, and Stephen Looney who shot sixty five, and we I think the three of us were leading the tournament at that time. I think David Smale was there somewhere too. But um, when I I think I eagled, I eagled one. So I've turned five, I've gone to seven. And then you knew something was going on there. I thought, oh, Jesus, all right. And then hit a good shot into the second and lipped one out there. And then I birdied three, four, five, and six or something like that. And all of a sudden, that that's when you, you know, I think the birdie on six, all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, great, 59. But you're in the, you're just in that moment. It's, uh, if I think about it now, like, I, like, like I will shit myself. Like, oh wow, how do you how do you do that? But when you're in the, it's no different to anyone that's having 44 or 45 points. You, you're in the yeah. moment. Things are happening. Um, it, 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 the ball hits up the right hand side of the fairway, kicks back into the fairway instead of kicking to the right. Um, there was a lot of good things that happened that particular day, and you, you can have days that you play way better and you yeah. have a lot worse score. So yeah. it was one of those days. There wasn't really a 60 out there. I can tell you, it wasn't. It wasn't one of those days. Steve Looney playing here. I was more in awe of watching him play. Geez, he hit some beautiful iron shots and, you know, very methodical and being, I think, geez, I want to play like him. And next thing I shoot 11 under, he's only seven. So, um, yeah. And the, and the truth of that, I, I wanted the card. I wanted to keep that card. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. It got, it got stolen. So we, oh. we've never been able to find it. Yeah. So it got stolen. So, so someone's got it out there. Whoever's got someone's, it. Yeah, someone's got it. Right, oh, we've got to find who's got that, uh, that card out there. Someone own up to it. <laughs> yeah, the greenkeeper's got <laughs> it. Yeah, to get, yeah. yeah. I'd rather Ernie's card. It's probably worth more than my card, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those, you know, little little things you have in your career and, and um, yeah. until someone beats 59, um, a bit like the US to it. Um, you know, I've got the record there for 32 birdies in the well, week. Well, that's, that's what I'm about to jump to. I was going yeah. to say it's not the only not the only record that uh, that you hold, um, and we're going to jump There's into that two. one now. The the, the, the the okay, there you go. Well, we'll cover the two. Uh, the BC <laughs> Open. So, but we'll jump to that first. Thirty-two birdies in a seventy-two hole tournament, which is um, a record tied with uh, Mark Kalkovecchia. Um, that's that's pretty impressive. Thirty-two birdies in a week. Yeah, that that was amazing. That that particular week, once again, everything goes your way, doesn't it? You don't you yeah, get all yeah. the good kicks. Um, uh, it was only until I got into the playoff that I started to get the bad kicks, where I hit a one into the up the right inside of the fairway in the first playoff hole and or second playoff hole, and it hit the tree and went back 150 meters into the water. But other than that, it was an amazing week. Like the hole looked like a bucket. Um, and when you're doing it, you don't um, you, you don't actually realize it. And I don't know if you guys. 
have actually heard the story. But on the Friday of that event, I'm playing with a guy called James McLean, who was a good young player from Melbourne, big bomber, went to university in um, in the US, college in the US. And I'm playing with him the first two rounds. He was a Monday qualifier. And on about the 11th hole, I, I hit this chip to about six feet. And I'm walking up to mark the ball. And I was that angry. I threw my five cent piece at the ball and it hit the ball and moved the ball. Oh. So it was a one-stroke penalty, then I got beaten in the playoffs. So I only think about it daily, like, fuck, really? Oh, my God. So Probably use five-cent piece as a marker. Yeah, so I'd use two Aussie five-cent pieces as a marker, and I'd give them away as gifts and stuff like that as markers, and I had one in my pocket. Anyway, we, like six months later, we did a thing for the Golf Channel where they put all these cameras around, and I got about six feet away from the ball and through uh, a five cent piece at the ball and I didn't come it. within about yeah five yeah. or six inches of the ball was the close because I was no good at cricket I can't throw 15 20 meters I've got a shocking arm and but I hit my bloody ball and off it went what an idiot wow. so that was my only chance at really winning a US tour event but um did so you did keep you using did, like, habits after that you still got <laughs> that five coin I was gonna say no I threw it Nah, I threw it in the bin. I was out of there. Yeah, was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good. But my fault, of course. Yeah, if I didn't get angry, uh, um, yeah, who knows on Friday afternoon? But yeah, there was a lot of golf to be played. You know, after that, anyway. So what? What did you go into that final round? Uh, were you leading going into that final day? I think I was. I think I was one shot ahead of Jeff Sluman, who was, yep. you know, obviously a major champion, won many times on the. The tour and was just a really good player. Like he just he didn't hit a bad shot. He never hit bad shots. And um, yeah, I think I was. And and I wasn't I wasn't nervous or anything. I, I thought I would be going into that final day. There's a lot there's there's a lot more for me to win than for him to lose, really, because he's already yep, yep. been a ten time winner on the tour. So yep. um, I thought I'd be a lot nervous. But golf professional golf is about routine, and and I just stayed in the routine. I stayed in the pre shot routine the routine to get to the golf course, the whole thing, nothing changed. I, you know, ate the same food, breakfast every morning, putting drills, the whole lot. So that puts you in an area of, of comfort. Um, if I got out of those routines, I'm sure, you know, I probably shot 80 that, that particular day. But because I was in those routines, it, it was normal for me to be in that situation. And, you know, I haven't been in that situation that that long. Unlike, you know, guys like Greg Chalmers and Greg Norman and, and and Peter O'Malley, they've been in them a lot. So I just had to make every post a winner. And I come close that day, but, yeah, just come up short. So, yeah, so what happened? Yeah. What's what's happening with superstitions then? You, you've got a few or? Oh, none. Zero. Routine? None? But just no, the routine. Yeah, oh, yeah, routine's everything. Yeah, no superstitions. Um, I've got none at all. You know, the two five-cent pieces in my right pocket were just sitting in there with everything else that it didn't really matter. But the, the routine was something that um, when I become more professional with the game, I realized all the best players in the world, that's what they had. And I don't think that was taught to me at a young age. I I was sort of, you know, robust and and just go and hit it as hard as I can and find it where, um, you know, the routine thing really in the state team and that sort of stuff wasn't taught. So basically Mm. after playing with some really good players, um, and I thought, geez, I'm missing out on something here. I better get to this routine bit. So, yeah, that's everybody comes in as as golfers or professional golfers at all different levels. And I, I think I started pretty low and, and worked my way through. I asked a lot of questions. I was 
I was annoying little shit. I'd ask everybody, you know, from Brad Faxon to Tiger Woods to, um, you know, Ben Crenshaw, you name it, whoever was there that would give me the time of day, I'd ask him questions. And um, it, it was the best way to learn. And, and I encourage any young kids to just keep asking, just be a pain in the ass. <laughs> great advice. It's great. It is good advice. Um, uh, back to back to the BC Open. So you lose, you lose in a playoff. Um, second hole, um, he makes birdie. Uh, 2004, there's three playoff losses there. Playoffs. <laughs> Don't like them. You just should never be in them, should you? So right, and one some was... of those playoff losses, there's, there's, there's a fifth extra hole there. There's an eighth extra hole there. They're, they're heartbreakers. They were heartbreakers. And I'll tell you what, they're absolute, the ones who beat me were just absolutely kissed on the pecker because some <laughs> of the things they did was ridiculous. And one was the, the Hershey. Um, the Hershey opened there, and I'm playing Ben Bates. He'd hold... I hold a 30-footer down across the uh, on the last green with me already in for par. He's held this 30-footer down across the hill through the you know, clown's mouth into the hole to go into a playoff. And I thought, oh, that's oh. all right. We'll get here. Then he's held a chip in the first hole. He's hit this oh. rank shot right, chipped it in when he shouldn't have. I've hit it like eight feet right behind the hole, missed the putt. And then he's held a bomb on the eighth playoff hole or something and... Yeah, it wasn't good. But there's a there's a funny story of one of them. You know, this was the third one. It was in Raleigh, and I shouldn't have been in a playoff. I was leading with three holes to go and made some bad decisions and tried to hit some hero shots when I shouldn't have. And I'm in a playoff with Brendan Jones, uh, Australian. There's I think there's four of us or five yep. of us in, in this playoff. Chris and Anderson this... and Jason Buha. That's right. And uh, Jason Buha went on to went on the US Tour a number of times, I think. And um, we. Um, I get outed on the first playoff hole and this mm-hmm. hole is down the bottom of a hill and you've got to come up this hill onto a putting green where the clubhouse is and it's quite a steep hill and I'm filthy. Thanks, fellas, I'm off. And I walk up and I get to the top of the hill. It's quite a steep hill and I'm you know, sort of breathing in and out and I walk across the caddies coming up around the, the cart pathway and I walk across to where the locker room, the front of the clubhouse, and they've got these um, trash cans or bins that are um, a cardboard and they're square. And I'm walking towards it, and it's got no chance. I'm going to kick the shit out of this thing because I'm so angry. And I put my boot straight into this <laughs> into this trash can, and my foot gets stuck. So next thing, <laughs> I'm standing there so angry, and I've got this trash can on the end of it, and I'm kicking my leg up, and there's trash going everywhere, <laughs> crap everywhere. And I turn around. The crowd has walked up the hill behind me, and all they can see is me kicking the crap out of this bloody trash can. So two officials there, people everywhere. I pick the uh, trash up, put it in there, pack my stuff up, go to the airport. Next week, tour official comes up near Jim Duncan and says, yeah, we're going to sort of have to talk to you about the uh, the incident last week. I said, yeah, mate, yeah, re- I'm really sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm happy that you find me. That was, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. He goes, Paul, he said, I've been doing this for 20 years. He said, I'd love to find you, but it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. So I never got a fine. Never got a fine. But the boys played a few tricks on me. They had a few trash cans and they'd go and stick my shoe half in the trash cans at different times and put them in front of my lockers. And I deserve every bit of it. But that was my third playoff and I got beaten three times and I got my US tour card back, but I was just, yeah, I couldn't win. I was hopeless. 
another fucking Aussie carrying on on tour in the States. So you're giving us a bad name, mate. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I did it every week. Yeah, <laughs> giving it a bad name. That was my job. All right, so um, playoffs playoffs are no good, and um, we just want to just have a quick chat about the the U.S. Opens. You you, you got to experience two of those, um, and you were beaten by another known name of Tiger Woods. And Tiger Woods won both of those. Um, you didn't make the cut in either of those, but they must have been just amazing experiences. We've spoken to Terry Pilgadaris about his his major experience, and um, he just he just says there's nothing like it. Yeah, it just goes to a new level. That was actually my first ever um, U.S. Tour event. Uh, was was the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach that Tiger won by 15. And wow. um, that was 2000. It was just such an eye-opener. Um, I was lucky to have my mum and dad there. Gary Edwin come over. My, my wife's parents come over. And it was just, uh, you know, I didn't care about making the cut. I, I just wasn't. Yeah. That golf course set up w- was so tough. It was ridiculous. I uh, played Australian Opens. They, they are tough, but uh, Pebble Beach, the way it played that year, Tiger Woods had no right to shoot, you know, 15 under par. Um, he's the first golfer I've ever gone back out and watched play. Right. And I was out there with my dad and, and um, you know, we got a few holes ahead because um, I played on opposite sides. And I said, Dad, if this guy plays like this for the next 10 years, 20 years, we're, we're, no one's going to come close. It was ridiculous, right. the shots he hit. Because there was one on the fifth I uh, sixth par five down the hill back up yep. um, across the gorge hit yep. it in the right rough I, I was in the right rough in the morning and I actually had to get out my lob wedge and pitch it back on the fairway to get up the hill because it was it was seriously deep and um, we watched him hit that shot out with a seven or a six on whatever it was up over the gorge yeah, and onto the green and Oh, I was like, wow, it's it's ridiculous. And, um, yeah, the, the event itself, it goes to another level. And uh, I played the one at um, Bethpage. Bethpage. One of the best – yeah, Bethpage was one of the best golf courses I've ever played. Actually, pra- at a practice round with Chalmers, uh, we played against Allenby and Appleby. And um, it, was, it, was, it was an eye-opener to watch Allenby and Appleby because they were in the prime of their, their careers. And um, they were obviously a lot better player than me. And they um, that, they were on the verge of winning majors. They are always there and it didn't quite get over it. But um, it was amazing having a practice around that week is is how intense the both of them were, how uptight and how badly they wanted. Chalmers and I just, you know, just laying shit on each other the whole, whole way around, having a good time. And, you know, because it, 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 which it was, it was my last major. I only played two and, um, some people are fortunate enough to play a bucket load. And, um, you know, watching those two, I'm thinking, well, they've got to win a major sooner or later. But that particular week, I, I sort of noticed if they keep up this sort of behaviour, they'll, they'll never win that, you know, that bigger event. And, and they never did uh, purely because they put so much pressure on themselves. And, you know, I think Stewart had won nine times on the US Tour about that time too and um, was primed for a major and, and come very close at different times. And, um yeah, it was it was quite amazing that uh, yeah New York and Pebble Beach they were they were two good ones and you know Tiger just you know ripped the place apart didn't he? Speaking of Pebble Beach, we've got a, another question that's come through from the live feed. Murray Blair, Gowie, any parties at Pebble Beach? Um, yeah, not for me. I, I was a nerd actually. I, I didn't get amongst that sort of part. I do now, but back then I didn't. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I didn't go off to any parties in Pebble Beach, but there was plenty. And, you know, you're, you're part of the 
you know, the wealthy and the and the famous. I played two years out of three with a guy called Glenn Campbell, which was a country and western singer, and um, he was the biggest pain in the ass of all time. Like he was he was drunk the first time when he got to the first tee. He said, "Paul, he says I'm going to tell you, I'm drunk. I'm just drunk. We've had such a good time last night." <laughs> And he he couldn't get around. He was blind the whole time. And then the second time he'd sobered up the, the two years later that I played with him and and Dave Nielsen, who uh, from the Central Coast, he, on about the fourth hole, I wanted to belt him because he kept standing on my line. And, um, you know, it's it's pretty wet there during that time of year. And, and Glenn was a pain in the neck to play with, God rest his soul. But he... Um, he uh, he was a pain to work with, play with. But you had all the celebrities there. Um, it was great. You're sitting down to, you know, you know, breakfast with some of the best NFL players and Emmett Smith and, you know, guys like that that were just the the, the gun players in their time. And just normal people. They were they were really good people. Oscar De La Hoya was there. One of the things I, I I didn't get many things signed back in the day, but I got a bit of a boxing fan, so I got uh, a Nike hat signed by Oscar De La Hoya that sits on my bar. And um, you know, I was absolutely cool my pants when I went up to this guy, mate, could you sign this? You know, I've, I've never done that before, but I did that. I was like, well, now or never, pal, you're never going to see him again. <laughs> and so you said you you know, you didn't party back then, but you do now. So nowadays, what current status for Gowie, you're just uh, getting paid to, to go to corporate days, mate, host nights, dinners, <laughs> functions. How good is it? Yeah, not quite. I don't party. I'm 49 years of age, fellas, please. Uh, <laughs> no. Not quite like that. Yeah, I, I have. I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be with Fox Sports and the Golf Show for the last three or four or five years. And um, you know, I get to go to different places and, and report about that. And Because I, I love the game of golf. I love hearing all the stories about golf. Um, uh, golf needs to be more inclusive. Um, more women need to play it. More kids need to play it. People need to be invited into the game. Like, it, it, it's such a... Golf is a place, and, and this COVID has, has helped somewhat. People... Uh, and golf clubs have now let people in to play their golf courses. And, um, you know, 20-odd years ago, I, I come back from the U.S. tour. I've got two mates of mine. and said, let's go play golf at a golf course that we, we played as kids. And they said, oh, we can't play in there. I said, why? And they said, well, after you left, we went to try to play a couple of times and we weren't welcome. So we never went back. So we, we lost those two guys to golf. And, um, you know, that sort of opened my eyes. We, we actually really need to open up the doors to, to let people in to play the game and invite them in to play and say, it's okay to come into our clubhouse. You know, um, you're always going to have your private clubs and, and I like the private clubs, you know, you, you, you pay a price to be there. Um, it's all inclu- uh, exclusive, but we need more places that are inclusive that we all can go and play. And, um, you know, hopefully this COVID has, has helped that, that uh, um, we're out and about. So Golf needs to change, and I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. We, we were having a chat last night with um, the, the pro at uh, Pinjara, uh, Matt Heath. You might have spotted a couple of videos. He did the uh, pro shop life videos. Um, I might, I'll, I'll see if we can send it through in the uh, in the group chat. But um, he takes a piss out of some of his members and just the, the stereotypes. That have, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll runs back from the first tee to come and oh, forgot my card. You know, <laughs> he runs back. <laughs> But oh, it's a uh, wonderful place. Yeah, it was fantastic to talk to for, um, first up, but um, he was speaking about over the last few months, the, they have opened up their doors and they're seeing a lot more people come through um, and having a hit 
some of the footballers that are, that are from town that that aren't playing at the moment and they're actually enjoying getting out on the course and not having a 130 kilo Maori bloke run at them. Um, they're, they're <laughs> enjoying that part of the game, but uh, he, he said hopefully we don't pinch too many from local footy. But all the same, it's uh, it, it's it's definitely opened up the the uh, the eyes of some of the public that that haven't been able to do anything else, so they get out on the course. So uh, we've seen it around here as well. Our, our comp sheets have been pretty full. So, and I know Nate, you you're you're a similar situation out at yeah, hundred percent. And it's funny with the COVID thing because I think when it first came, I was um, I'll admit that I was very like, oh, we need to shut everything down. We shouldn't even be playing golf. It sends the wrong message. And and then when I thought about it, and and you know the people put in their clubs, put in their 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 procedures to to make sure that everyone was doing the right thing and safe. And and when I stepped back and looked at it that way. It's been the best thing that's happened to our club. The amount of members that we've got back, and um, we've never had so many people playing, and 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 a lot of people trying it for the first time ever, and they're getting hooked to it. The golf bug's a real thing. We all know about it, um, and I love seeing I love seeing people get that golf bug, and and you go back and they're getting new gear, and they're talking about new clubs <laughs> and new shoes and this and that, and we're all about enjoying golf, and that's something that golf day australia is all about and that's all we want it to be about is just getting people out there to enjoy golf uh the weekend that we're putting on soon down tokenwall we just want to have a good time we'd love to get a little bit better while we where we're there but it's all about having a good time and 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 that's one thing that we want to see as well and, and that's the beauty of golf right because we can all go play golf together but i can't go play golf uh, i can't play tennis with roger federer because you're going to wipe me out of there but you guys that's can go right. play with adam scott and jason day um, yeah, well, you feel a bit intimidated, but after three or four holes, you know, you just normal, and you can have a and you can actually beat them. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's such a great game in that sense. And, um, you know, we, we, we're really, one thing I've always looked at, we're really selfish as golfers. Um, it is all about us and it's all about our shot. And, um, we keep, sometimes it, we keep it inside us to how good a shot feels because you know, that five iron that you hit out of the middle and it just flies through the air you're like, oh, how good's that? Yeah, how yeah. good's that? Now you might only hit one of them around, but you're like, oh, oh. or you hold that thirty footer, or you you hold a chip or something, and that feeling is bloody fantastic. And for us, we we need to pass that on to other people to to enjoy that too, because we we get quite selfish in this game. Sure and sure. Or Steve, when you crush one off the tee and you don't see it go into a car park, mate, I, I tell you that's a, that's a good feeling when it doesn't fly into that car park at Glenmore. Um, there's a story there. There's a story there. Um, we, we did have one question we've got to jump back to before we finish up yep. tonight that we that we spoke about in our in our podcast and we thought we would ask you about it. And we spoke about um, the rain delay that the boys had in the PGA this week where they had to go off the course for a couple of hours before coming back. Yep. Um, Justin Thomas had a birdie putt at the stage, had to mark it and go off the course, and then he had a couple of hours to think about it. We wanted to know, and this obviously is going to be different between players, but for you, if you had a rain delay and you had marked something and you had a putt or a shot in, would you go away, think about it, try and maybe practice that putt and then come out, or would you just clear it from your mind and then think about it as you're going back out there? Well, it's always in your mind, right? It's hard to get rid of it. You have to find distractions. And we had in the US, we had, you know, a lot of rain delays um, um, through there. So I would go and practice. If I had a putt, I would actually go and practice that. And if we were back on the range, I'd go and hit the next shot or the next couple of shots to get the same as your warm up that you yeah. would go and get. So everyone's a little bit different. But 
the, the thing when you come to rain delays and delays like that is is to be able to get yourself away from all of that. And it might be sitting in the locker room talking crap with each other and getting immersed in that so you're not actually thinking about it. Um, because it's it's hard when someone tells you, don't think about it. Well, guess what? You're going to think about it. So uh, everyone will be different. Um, I remember having a, uh, a seven-footer um, on the, the, the Nike tour that I had myself downhill, left to right, um, to make the cut. Uh, to, you know, so I thought, and we had a two-hour rain delay, wow. went and practiced that putt and possibly hit the worst part of my life and missed the putt, right. and missed, missed the cut by one. And all I did was kick myself in the nuts going back to the car because I'd spent so much energy prior to getting there instead of just getting away from it, just yep. going and practicing that couple of putts and then going out. So I guess yeah. everybody does it the, a, a different way, but they're learning curves throughout your career that you start to think about that. Now, after that, that was good stead for me because when I got to the US tour with rain delays, I handled it totally different. I got in there, I you know, sat with the blokes and we all talked crap about something and then I then got back into it when it was game time. I'd hate to be Tyrrell Hatton on the on the weekend. He's literally about to pull his putter face back away from the ball to strike through it, and the siren goes. <laughs> and he was mm. in the mix too, so you know it wouldn't. It wasn't like it was a, a nothing putt. Um, <laughs> yeah. You could see he's one that that shows a fair amount of emotion on on the course, or at least it, uh, verbally shows a lot of emotion on the course. And you could just see the reaction in his in his face. He's like. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of them enjoyed that this. siren going off. <laughs> no. no, well you don't. You try to play your way as quickly as possible. You, you sort of um, the tour officials will be driving around, and you can see that they've you know they've put the horn close. You know yeah, they got it in the hand, so you're like, and you can see stuff coming across. So you you sort of half know what's going on, and, and you just got to get prepared for it. And I think there are some great videos out there of golfers just bolting and running to the next tee to tee off, or I think Poulter oh, does yeah. it, and I know Matt Fitzpatrick's running in the open. So there's some great things out there where time's precious, and they just want to be out there, especially if uh, sure. they're not making the cut. They don't want to be hanging back for for another night. Um, Gowie, to finish off, what what what's uh, what's the future for Gowie? You said you were starting to swing the club again. Where, where are we up yep. to? What are you what are you up to with um, the golf stuff? Yeah, well, a couple of cool things. Uh, first of all, that Matthew Fitzpatrick you um, just mentioned, keep a real yeah. good eye on him. I, I've been fortunate enough for the last three or four years going over to cover some of the events for Fox Sports and, and got to walk around a lot and the Tyrrell Hattons and watching them close and mainly the Aussies. But the one that really caught my eye, Brooks Kepkin, all of them are really good players. But this Matthew Fitzpatrick, he's just got something about him, I think. I know he's not a big dude. He hit so many quality shots. Um, yep. I backed him last week, actually, because I thought, you know, his, his numbers the week before looked pretty good. I don't yep. bet on golf. I tip on golf, but I don't bet a lot on it. But I actually had a little something each way, and he finished 14th. I, I think it's a breakout year when, when he gets to play. So he's due. Really, he's so due. Just a really good player, and I think he's got enough shit in him to, yep. to do that. I don't know the kid personally. And he's probably not yep. a kid anymore. I, don't know, I think he's 24 or 25 now, but um, really good to, um, to to watch his career because it just seems he's just got all the bits and pieces that, that you need. Um, me, uh, a couple of cool things that are happening. The golf show will be back on Fox Sports. Um, I'm now um, part owners in that, in that, in that venture uh, with a production company. Um, it'll be called uh, Your Golf Show. Uh, and playing around with Paul Gauss. I'll have uh, a few celebrities out there doing that again. Um, and love going to all the different new golf courses in the oh. country. And we'll be coming out in the bush. We'll be going everywhere. And it's um, 
um, you know, we'll be doing a lot of more social media sort of stuff and, and getting amongst it. Uh, it's a it's a real fun show to be part of. Andrew Dada will be the host. Uh, he's good fun. I, I've already said that early on the piece, so that that's good fun. But I am I'm getting ready. I was getting ready to go to US uh, Champions Tour school in November. Um, they've now called that off because of the they're going to wrap around the season, which they should. So you oh, might okay. see me. You might see me pop up at the end of the year, maybe, you know, the Western Australian PGA or maybe the New yep. South Wales Open or something like that. Because I, I did start to hit balls, getting ready for the Wagga Pro-Am. And um, yeah. I, I've continued that. I worked with my coach, uh, who's Alex Murray in the US. He's, at San, he's in San Francisco. I've got a putting green um, built in the backyard, an artificial one uh, with a big net there. And I go out there with the with the Labrador and just built balls into the net. So, uh I'm uh, I'm loving it actually. I'll you know, and sometimes I'm that golf nut. I get up at you know one o'clock in the morning the other morning because I I didn't play so well the other day. I played at Muirfield and and um, said you know something's wrong there. I'm going to get up. So I got up and hit, started hitting balls, turned the lights on, started hitting balls at one o'clock in the morning um, <laughs> to figure some shit out. I couldn't go to sleep. So you know, well let's figure this out. Why was the club stuck in your bum on the way down? Let's yep. figure that out. So. Um, had the video going, had the GC quad going, and yeah, just had it all going. But it was good, yeah, you know, it's good. Went back to bed, and my wife said, "Where have you been?" I said, "I oh, hitting balls." So, <laughs> what do you do? I get the same question but, when I've been spending hours out here in the, in the simulator out here. Um, I can't let you go without asking this one: best celebrity that you you have interviewed some great people. You've played rounds with amazing, amazing people, celebrities out there. You probably get asked it all the time, but what's one that stands out for you, celebrity? some sports person that you've uh, played with or interviewed? Well, you know, and he's a good mate, but Fatty Vorton's always a, a, a good character and loves his golf. And I love to be around golfers who love golf. There's a lot of celebrities that play golf that yep. don't really love golf, but uh, he's a lover of golf. Um, and, you know, I've been so lucky to have so many good oh. on the, on the, people on the show. You know, uh, Sir Ethan, Ian Botham, you know, um, wouldn't let me go without having three or four beers or bourbons after yep. I finished the game. He goes, we must yep. have some drinks. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Georgie Gregan is is really good. Um, I must say, um, Brendan Goddard, uh, he was cracking to have it. Uh, he took me to his golf course at Peninsula Kingswood, and I played with him again since then at Cathedral Golf Course, and he's got bucket loads of game, hits at a mile, um, he's a golf nerd, and, and I really enjoyed having him on the show. He's a uh, He's a real uh, golf nerd in, in, in that sense and, and can play the game. So, um, yeah, Jimmy Barnes was on there. Damien Oliver, he was he was really good. Every guest I've had so far has been um, been really good. The interesting one, I think, was, was a couple of the interesting ones was um, uh, definitely um, um, Sally Pearson, the, 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 the hurdler. Yep. Yep. Uh, she'd yep. only just started the game, her and her husband. Um, they, they just started the game. She wanted to find another you know, outlet. Um, she was still training at the time. I think she's pregnant now and just about to have a child, but uh, she was great. Good hand-eye coordination. I think we'll see her play golf for, for a lot of years to come. Um, she was fantastic. But the, one of the most interesting ones was uh, Casey Stoner, the the, yes. um, the bike rider. And um, lo he loves his golf. He's a great fella. But just, you know, talking to him about his sport and the sacrifices that he made and his, um, you know, the speed that they go and uh, it, amazing the bodies uh, the, the bones that he's broken in his body all this sort of stuff and man he, he's just a you know a, a superhuman um to, it's funny to you mentioned stoner actually because um 
I was talking to some of the kids that I teach today at the school and uh, I mentioned that we were, uh, we were interviewing you tonight and a few of them aren't, they don't know really about what golf is and, and I threw a photo up there and uh, three of them, that's the guy that interviewed Casey Stoner. They knew about that interview. <laughs> They'd obviously yeah, watched right. that one and they knew about that one straight away. So, um, so yeah, you, you've been pretty lucky. I'm uh, very envious of the role you've got and um, being able to play golf with, with some amazing people and, and interview some amazing people. Uh, I, I love the golf show. I hope it continues for a long time because I get a kick out of watching that for sure, as, as I'm sure yeah. most, of, most of us do. Um, Gowie, thank you and, and so sorry, much. J- j- right. Just all your listeners, if you um, if any of your listeners uh, have got any ideas for the golf show, please just email just Paul Gow, um, yeah. my website. Let us know. Like It's, it's about the viewer. I'm, I'm a golf nut. I, I sit down and watch all the golf stuff. I watch all the rugby league stuff, horse racing. I'm the viewer. I'm the one that's paying my subscription to Foxtel. I, 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 I want to see stuff I want to see, not just crap. So um, any suggestions we're, we're up for? Um, if they get a run, they get a run. If they don't, they don't. But uh, um, we'll definitely take them uh, on board, that's for sure. I'll throw it up in the in the uh, Golf Australia group and, and see if the guys can uh, comment on there and um, shoot them across to you. It'd be uh, great to have some input into what's to come in the, in the golf show. That's, that's coming back up around September, you're sort of saying. Yeah, hopefully up by uh, September. There's a little bit of work to d- be done before then, but uh, September, hopefully, um, we'll uh, we'll see how it all goes. COVID's put everybody back a little bit at this stage, but uh, um, hopefully we can forge ahead and see what we can do. Sounds awesome. good. So everyone that's um, watching out there now, uh, just a reminder, our podcast, episode three, um, you'll hear this in it if you are listening to the podcast now. Um, so that drops tomorrow. Um, get around that one. We had a great uh, chat last night about the uh, – PGA event that was on the weekend, um, the upcoming PGA event and, and a heap of other things with Matt Heath from Kinjara was a great chat as well. So a big action-packed podcast coming up tomorrow. Uh, and just a reminder as well about our Golf Days Australia first ever event at Token Wool. Um, the event's on our page. Go and check it out. It should be a great weekend. It's going to be a small group um, and we're going to have a good time down there. So so, Gowie, thank you so much again for giving us your time. We know your time's precious, mate, and we really appreciate it. It was a great chat tonight, and, and thank you for coming on. Thanks, fellas. All good. I'm going to eat some more chocolate right now. Get into it. Not that, not that Hershey's bar. That's, uh, you know, 10 years, 20, 20, 10 years old, 20 years old. 20 All right. Years old. All Thanks, good. Gowie. All right, fellas. Thanks, fellas. See ya. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us tonight. And that's a wrap of our interview with Aussie legend Paul Gow. You can visit our group on Facebook, Golf Days Australia, advice and discussion to view the full video interview. Thanks again for listening this week, everyone. Take it easy, and we'll see you next time on the Golf Days Australia podcast.